yourself, you gotta leave them behind. If you really love yourself, you gotta leave them behind. Welcome to episode 144 of Cowboy Shit. My name is Ted Stoven, and this week my co-host is Mr. Dustin Edwards. Been a great friend for a long time, but on the show numerous times. And uh and I gotta say thanks to my friend Wacy Anderson. He uh we did 143 great shows together. Wacy's choosing to move it on to different things, uh, but we had a hell of a run and uh, had a lot of great shows. And, uh, you know, I think I was looking at the stats. We had like over 400 and some thousand downloads, 143 shows and uh, a lot of fun along the way. <laughs> Dustin, you were a uh, witness to a lot of that, I'm sure. <laughs> I got some uh, some big shoes to fill or at least some shoes that have done a lot of dancing and a lot of crazy shit. So uh, <laughs> for, for this episode, Wacey, I'll try to do it justice, buddy. Yeah. So thanks again to Wacey. Uh, I loved every minute of it, man. We had a hell of a hell of a ride. So so thanks for uh, thanks for being there for all of them, and wish you the best in in what's next, man. Uh, I know uh, I know there's lots uh, lots to do out there and lots uh, lots on the go. So um, yeah, thank you again to Wacey Anderson for being a huge part of uh, of the cowboy shit podcast for first uh i guess like five five and a half years or so but uh yeah anyways dustin let's uh let's get into this week thanks for joining us thanks for the help on the on the interview with dennis halstead uh that we put together this week denny had a little bit of uh connectivity issues in marathorpe but uh, we still i think we still had a pretty uh, entertaining chat yeah, Dennis was, uh, he was good to chat with. You know, it's funny, uh, you've been around Dennis so often, but you you hardly get to see the guy, you know, off the mic and and not uh, not cracking one-liners. So it was, it was cool to chat with him. Yeah, his, his bag phone that he had plugged in in Marathorpe didn't have the best of service, so <laughs> it a little struggle. But uh, now there's some, there's some good, some good stories in there, some stories that probably a lot of people never heard before, which was, which I thought was cool. Well, and kind of neat, uh, like you said, to kind of get him off the, off the record a little bit, or like not off the record, but off the outside of the arena. A lot of folks, yeah, like you said, wouldn't see him like that. So I enjoyed the chat. Uh, as Wacey would say, I think Denny's phone was running out of minutes, but, uh, but he made it, <laughs> made it through it. So we had to get him on the phone at the, in the second half. So for anybody that's, uh, watching on the video side, you might just might not see Denny in the second half, but, uh. But anyways, yeah, we had a really great show. But uh, Dustin, before that though, um, you were over in Victoria, somewhere on the island. What? Where were you? You were on the. You were hanging out with Dino. Dino Dan. What was <laughs> his name? Yeah, this week I flew out to uh, Victoria. Actually, we drove up about two hours to a little town north of Nanaimo called Lanceville, and it was home of uh, Dino North which I thought was competition to Barney's until I got there and realized that I was short a dispensary. Uh, <laughs> this, this guy had a landscaping business, a septic tank installation company. All the trucks had the Jurassic Park logo on the side. Then he had some animatronic dinosaurs set up in his backyard. And the entrance into the dinosaur joint was also a dispensary. And they had a big sale on mushrooms. So it was really the perfect <laughs> setting for a ch- child's dinosaur uh, fun park. No question. Oh man, do you think that if you sold mushrooms for uh, Barney's, that your reviews on Google would be different? <laughs> uh, I think I think people's uh, recollection of the experience would change. <laughs> I'm not 
but uh, this this guy was a total nut job. Like, uh, yeah, I, I should I guess I shouldn't speak too well of him. I, I doubt he's listening, but yeah, he was a he, he was, was crazy. a few fries short of a happy meal. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. But yeah. hey, you made the you made the news and got Barney some free PR on the in the news over there. Yeah, it was cool. The uh, CTV uh, was there, so I was walking through the dinosaurs, and the guy asked if he could uh, get an interview with us. And yeah, I ended up doing a pretty good story on Barney's and us being out there, and jumped on. They had a they had a literally had a dinosaur with a saddle on it, so I jumped jumped on, kicked a few holes in the side of him, you know. And that was the clip, or uh, that was the picture they had on the front of CTV was the uh, <laughs> marking out this dino. Oh man, that's Only awesome. Fitting. But but you didn't add any more dinosaurs to the Barney's collection from from that trip. No, we were gonna buy some. Then we got out there and they were all shit. And oh, okay. guy neglected them and they weren't working right. So we ended up just uh, rolling back to Victoria and got some seafood and toured around and I uh, really enjoyed. I'd never been out there on the island, so it was awesome. Really? I freaking loved it. Like, First time on the island. Yeah, no was, way. Yeah, yeah, and no it's way. surprising all these years. Went and seen the world's biggest hockey stick. Yeah. That was damn sweet. And uh, I think that's in Cowichan Valley. Really? And uh, that was a big son of a bitch. And uh, I think it was, uh, <laughs> originally it was in Vancouver and they like brought it out there and set it up on the side of the rink there. And really? Yeah, I had some seafood, did a little boat tour and uh, seen some seals and uh, yeah, just seen some cool shit. Oh, that's neat, man. What is the, what is your favorite roadside attraction? Cause you and Gator one time went on like a roadside attraction tour. <laughs> what's it, what's the best one you've seen so far? Uh, probably the Torrington Gopher Hole Museum. Oh, Thank you actually much. went to the whole museum. Yeah, that was cool. But I mean, I guess like sing, singular, uh, singular biggest thing. I don't know. That hockey stick was pretty damn cool, but, uh, I didn't even know it existed, honestly. Yeah. Troshi's got the big golf tee and Tabor's got the corn. I don't know. We've been around some potatoes and when I was driving around Kansas last year. There's a bunch of crazy shit on the side of the road. World's biggest this and that, but yeah. Yeah. The, if you haven't been to the Gopher Hole Museum in Torrington for two bucks, uh, you can see a bunch of little stuffed freak freaks, like uh, dressed up as like firemen and cowboys and <laughs> Amish people. That's what they did with all these gophers. It's pretty cool. <laughs> oh dear. I the I think the funniest one I remember seeing was the Beaver and Beaver Lodge. De- Dave Polson and I got our picture by the be- Beaver Lodge Beaver this year. <laughs> and then there's the Big Egg in Vegerville and the Big Sausage that looks like a turd in Mundare. Yeah, and then yeah. Andrew's Andrew's got the big mallards, the big ducks. Oh yeah. And then actually, you know what? I I, I stand corrected. I I'm changing my favorite. If you go to Chauvin, Alberta. Chauvin. I thought Chauvin. Oh, Chauvin, like C-H-A-U-V-I-N. Yeah. Chauvin. And that's that's north of Provo somewhere. Okay. Um, they have the world's biggest softball. Oh. But it's just a giant shit tank, like a set, round septic tank painted like a baseball. Oh, no. Really? Oh, so, man. Oh, yeah. So go to Chauvin and see the world's biggest septic tank painted like a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez that's bad i wonder this is a good to ask the audience uh question so for anybody listening let us know what your favorite roadside attraction is or or the worst one you've seen the uh the beaver's got some pretty crazy teeth and then man the, i gotta say there's a dinosaur in drum heller that 
uh, is on the corner by the bridge on the north side of town. And he looks like somebody, he looks like Ted. Like, you know how Ted makes a joke on the movie about, yeah, they put, they put the stuff in it wrong and, and I'm a little fucked up now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that dinosaur looks like. He's like way, his anatomy is way off and his mouth is way too big. And like, oh, he's so fucked up. <laughs> He's right by the spray park and he's like totally, <laughs> totally messed up. Someone someone did a video. It was like, like come to Drumheller and see the world's largest dinosaur. And it had like the actual Jurassic Park theme song going. Yeah. And then it like switches to like someone doing the Jurassic Park theme on like a recorder. A recorder. And, it's and, it's, and it's that dinosaur. It's like, this is what I actually found. Like, this shit. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Oh, shit. Um... Okay, so what else was going on? We had a couple things we uh, we wrote down. So, uh, okay, so this last weekend though, so that was well, a little couple days ago, and so uh, since we talked to Dennis, um, I think later that day I flew to Brandon, Manitoba, had a PBR event there on the weekend. We had a great crowd, unreal event. Uh, Aaron Roy wins both nights in uh, in uh, in Winnip- in Manitoba wins Friday night in Winnipeg, Saturday night in Brandon. Four for four performance, uh, challenges in the short round of Brandon and gets a challenge, makes the, gets the win. That was pretty neat. But, um, the funniest shit happens on the road, just like what Denny talks about it later in the show, just a little teaser for you, for the folks. But, uh, um, we didn't even scratch the surface with Denny on all the stories he's got, I'm sure. But, uh, but on Friday night in Brandon, uh, we all kind of had dinner at the hotel, got in like kind of a little later and, you know, Got in, had a little, had a quick dinner at the hotel. I had some chicken fingers. Wasn't super hungry, but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I go to sleep for the night, probably get down at like midnight or something, whatever. And I wake up to some loud noises and a guy screaming his face off in the hallway of the hotel. And I'm like, what in the fuck is going on out there? And I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to do anything. Like I was like, what am I going to contribute? I'm probably the guy that's going to hold the hats in the fight. Like, I'm just gonna go pick up all the cowboy hats. Be like, don't worry, guys, we got the hats. Got the hats. That was what that was what Brinson said too. He's like, I'm the hat guy. I just go collect the hats, right? <laughs> so, anyways, I hear this commotion in the hallway, and I don't think too much of it, and just you know, like, whatever. I don't think much. But then it gets louder, and the guys are screaming, and I'm like, what is going on? And it's like right outside my door, and I like, I never really got up, but finally, I hear some banging, like somebody falls into my door, and then this guy says, I can't see, I can't see, because he's Apparently his eyes are welded shut from the fight because they're all swollen up and messed up. And he's like, finally, he's just like, just taser me, man. Just taser me. So like this guy falls against the door and they taser him. And then finally I hear some handcuffs click. And like, while this stuff's going on, I like, I was sleeping, totally sleeping in the nude. So I was like, this guy busts through my door. I don't want to be like the naked guy in the room that just wakes up. So I got up and put some pants on and went back to bed. Cause I was like, I don't want to like wake up as the naked guy. So anyways, the guy got tasered and uh and they handcuffed him and the police escorted him away and uh yeah moved on had a good show came home sunday then drove to grand prix now i'm back home again can you hear the electricity going through his body or <laughs> no no and there there wasn't any like chalk lines outside my room in the morning luckily so but think uh, about how you could have contributed to his story because he could have been telling the story like the next day like man i was getting fucking tasered and all of a sudden this nude guy opened the door <laughs> And his hang down was <laughs> out my head. I was getting <laughs> That'd be kind of you funny, right? Went out. You should have uh, went out. 
Oh, man. But I was too scared. I didn't want to get in the fight. I didn't want to have this guy in my room. I just want to go back to sleep. And surprisingly, I actually like went, it was happening at like five o'clock in the morning and I actually went back to sleep for, I think, an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half. So it's kind of nice, but I'm a little bit tuckered here and got another flight in the morning. Uh, going to, yeah, you got a big run. You, you, you're on the yeah, go. On the go here. Yeah. So we went to Grand Prairie, uh, drove, like, flew home from Brandon, got here about, I think, 2 30. On the road to Grand Prairie by four, got there about eleven thirty, dropped the trailer off, got to the hotel by midnight, sleeping by twelve thirty, up by seven thirty at the arena by nine, uh, set up and on the flight home by four. So uh yeah, back here and then yeah, leaving at nine. So London, Ontario Wednesday night, the day the show comes out, and then back to Grand Prairie the first. And that's day one for you and Leduc, right? It was on Thursday the first. Yep, yeah, we kick off Thursday, uh first perf. And this year they change it up. They're doing perf Thursday, perf Friday, and then two perfs on the Saturdays. So they're going to do a one o'clock and a seven o'clock. They're going to bang out two pro perfs and then uh, nothing Sunday this year, which is, that's a first. So huh. that'll be cool. Uh, we'll be down there with Denny and uh, Sean Morton. So friend of, yeah. friend of the show and uh, editor. So yeah, it'll be, be a fun little weekend. Heck yeah. How many uh, years have you been in uh, Leduc now? Do you know, this has got to be like, this has got to be like year eight, probably. Yeah. Huh. I've been going out there for a while. Dave Rock uh, hires me out there, and right on. And uh, yeah, I, I started going out there. I think it was I want to say it was still Northcott Rodeo when I first went out there. And oh, really? And um, yeah, always always a good rodeo. Like really not not a really rodeo community, but they always pack the rink. Uh, really good perfs there. Yeah, yep. always always have fun there. And and uh, your our editor Sean Morton there, that poor bastard. He's uh He's got four perfs and uh, moving houses this weekend. So. Oh yeah, jeez. Yeah. So our thoughts are with you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll be we'll keep this quick. So uh, thanks for thanks <laughs> to Dustin for uh, for being part of the uh, the the show this week, and uh, and thanks Dennis Hallstead for being on the show. So we'll get to the interview next. Thanks for staying with us, folks. This is Cowboy Shit. My name is Ted Sovan. He is Dustin Edwards. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back here in a moment. <laughs> Mississippi, down through New Orleans, yes I have, I've played in California, there ain't too much I haven't seen. Welcome to another episode of Cowboy Ship. My name is Ted Stoven and my co-host today he is he he found love on the podcast and his name is Dustin Edwards. He's the the man behind Barney's in Drumheller, Alberta. He's uh one of the greatest rodeo announcers in the country. He's one of my best friends, Dustin Edwards. Thanks for joining us. We got a very special guest and I'm going to let let you introduce him, Dustin. Oh, thanks Ted. Happy to be uh happy to be beside you for this one. And uh pretty special guest, someone that uh you know, I think everybody who listens to this podcast is has grown up uh, with the in and out of the rodeo arena. He's uh, a 10-time entertainer of the year in Canadian Pro Rodeo. Twice he's been selected to the Wrangler National Finals as the alternate barrel man. Uh, I think he's probably got more buckles and, and awards than any rodeo clown uh, in North America. Uh, former firefighter for the city of Calgary for a number of years and just all around a great guy. Welcome to the Cowboy Shit Podcast, Mr. Dennis Halstead. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It took you a lot to say that, didn't it? <laughs> uh, see, I told you that was the best ten dollars you could spend. <laughs> it was. Uh, good morning, boys. Good to see you. 
Well, it was funny when uh, when Ted was was talking about uh, a guest. The first one that came to my mind was Dennis, because you know I I don't even uh, haven't even been able to uncover all the uh, the secrets of his world and uh, the life that 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 body's been through. So uh, when uh, when Ted said that uh, you were coming on, Dennis, I was I was pretty excited because uh, you know we've worked together for for a number of years, but uh, I think there's a lot more to the story and uh, uh, the man behind the makeup. So uh, really excited to have you on here today and. I guess getting right to it, uh, you know, obviously one of the, the prominent rodeo entertainers in not only North America, but I'd say the world, um, you know, how, how many years now have you been at uh, being a rodeo entertainer? Actually, you know, buddy, I've been pretty blessed. I've been almost 30 years now in my career. So, you know, a lot of guys don't get to have the longevity that I've had. So I've been very, very fortunate. And uh, like I said, I'm coming on almost 30 years now. So, so what was the very first rodeo that you worked in an official capacity as a rodeo entertainer. Is that, did you, did you run out of minutes in Marathorpe or something? What, uh, what no, I have unlimited that? data. Yeah. You got to remember I'm in North Marathorpe, Alberta. So the, the Wi-Fi, I guess must not be very good here. I don't know. Could be the fires up here too. They've had a lot of stuff going on up here, boy. Dust, Dustin was asking you what your first rodeo you ever worked as a clown was. Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, my first rodeo was riding on stone down by the border. It was a Chinook rodeo. And, uh, it was kind of coincidental. It was Scotty Burns's first rodeo as well. So him and I worked our first shows together, and we've been together now for thirty years. So it's no that way. was kind of the start of a great friendship, dude. Was that was he riding or bullfighting? He was bullfighting. That was his first paid rodeo that he ever worked. Was riding on stone, and it was no my way. first rodeo as well. So who'd you work for, and who like who hired you to do this, and why? And why? Like, what had you done before to end up as a rodeo clown? <laughs> Leonard Petrowski is who I worked for, but I have a very unique story. Of course, I was a Calgary firefighter for 30 years. Uh, I'd been on the job probably 10 years, and I was a calf roper at the time. And uh, they put on charity rodeo every year for uh, the kids, Calgary Police and Calgary Fire. And a week before, they had a big name scheduled to fight bulls and clown, and uh, he backed out on them. So uh, I stepped up and said, heck, I'll do it. And uh, I went and did it. And that was my first rodeo, and a guy come to hire me after that. And that's kind of how my career took off. So. I had no idea you were a calf roper. Yeah, I wrote calves for probably oh, 10 years. Actually, that's one. Of, I'll be honest. That's one of the reasons I'm up here in northern Alberta right now. There's a Smith family. I'm sure we've all, anybody in rodeo has heard of the Smith family from Barhead. Uh, Leonard Smith was always good to me. There's a reason I'm a rodeo clown. My calf roping skills weren't really great. <laughs> but but that Leonard was always there to help me, and he was one of the greatest promoters of our sport to, to young people and trying to help people succeed in our sports so i've always uh enjoyed him and his family and that's one of the reasons why i'm up in marathon this weekend is uh for them guys well that, so, that brings me uh that brings me ted to that podcast you just did with sean morton and he was talking about uh you know going to like the wild rose finals and barhead and, and wanting to make it a big show for people because you know to a lot of competitors that's their that's their nfr and and denny that's been an event you know and, and even marathon i know is a wild rose rodeo that Wild Rose Finals that Leonard Schmidt used to kind of be the the mainstay behind. That's something that you've kind of remained a part of, uh, regardless of how big your career has gotten. You know what? I think it's important. I think uh, a lot of guys in my business forget uh, where they started. I think uh, I kind of have a little different outlook on the business than a lot of guys. I think my firefighting careers kept me very grounded and appreciated just what I have and where I've gone in the business. But, you know, I think, too, there's other things like, a small town like Marathorpe, where I am this weekend, you know, there's a lot of older people that can't afford to go to the big show or, you know, just can't get out. So this is the one rodeo that they get to come a year. So I look at it as I'm an entertainer. 
I'm very fortunate to be in the top five in the world right now. But uh, if I can come to Marathorpe, help their show and entertain them, and maybe I can put in a few more people in the building. So I think it's about promoting our sport, and I think we need to do more of it. Speaking of putting a few more people in the building, um, I'm really surprised to hear that you're a calf roper after the incidents in uh, Armstrong last year, Dennis. <laughs> you had to bring it up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said you said it was an open yeah. book. Actually, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get back in the good books with the boys. They they seem to be liking me more this year. I was just in Falkland, and they all seem to come and say hi and get along. So, okay. uh, you know, that's again, that's just that's one of them things. It's you know, and I look at our business as different. I think uh, in our sport, I don't think we're a rodeo anymore. I think we're an entertainment package. I think we have one of the most extreme sports in the world. We have the rock music and the music like you do, Ted. Uh, my entertainment, the comedy end of it. Uh, Dustin with the announcing and building the crowds. So I think we're more of an entertainment package and we have to look outside the box now because of the, the, the graphics of our sport and the people that come to it are different now. So I think we have to play to everybody, but I think that's one of the big things. And the thing in Armstrong, uh, I'll be honest, I love doing sing-alongs and flashlight stuff. That's that for me, that's one of the biggest adrenaline rushes. And uh, I'll be honest in Armstrong is, is a crowd like no other crowd in, in Canada. They're electric and uh, I can't control them. Once I start them, I can't stop them <laughs> and I couldn't stop them and it cost me 500 bucks. <laughs> it's it, it was worth it. I should have split the fine with you. Cause I was definitely involved in that one, Denny. Well, actually, no, the one that you made me laugh Ted, is when we were in, uh, where were we a few weeks ago? Dawson, Dawson Creek. Creek. And I had a sing along and you turned your flashlight on you and it's <laughs> on rope. You did make me laugh. I got to admit that made me laugh. <laughs> well, it's fun to make a clown laugh. That's like, that's, that's good, right? <laughs> Then you had to keep your head up in the in the beer gardens in Armstrong too, didn't you? Didn't you have a uh, a couple of people looking for you after that, or what? Well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple <laughs> tied on ropers cornered me in the beer gardens after asked me what it was all about. Of course, my Tourette's <laughs> got me into trouble. I uh, asked them how much they paid for their ticket to get into the rodeo. So, but you know what? I understand their side too. I mean, I gotta be. That's one thing I've always been. I've been pretty level headed with stuff and. Uh, I'll be honest, the one kid that I said uh, did a flashlight get in your eyes when he missed his next gaff, I actually found him and apologized to him after. I shouldn't have said, but, you know, it's 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 a touchy line. You know, uh, I guess for people that didn't know, bottom line, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, Tie-down ropers wouldn't go until I turned all the flashlights off in the crowd. Uh, I understand their point, but at the same time, you know, it's these people pay big good money to come to our show, and without those people, we don't get to rodeo. So, you know, it's... It's a touchy line, and of course, I said a couple lines. I said, uh, "Do you want me to dim the scoreboards, or uh, do you want me to shut the midway off behind your open box?" So that's what I got fined for. So my Tourette's kind of got me in trouble too, and I apologized to the people I needed to apologize. So, and Maynard Bird's talking to me again. So Maynard's one of the big guns. So as long as he's talking, I'm in good books again. <laughs> well, and and I mean, like, I think some of it was a bit of a misunderstanding, honestly. Like, no, like, no offense on the calf roping side and your side or our side. Like, we're trying to put on a show. We're trying to entertain people and I get that, you know, the lights might be a little bit distracting to somebody maybe, but like, you know, are they going to shut down the show for the cafe open at the NFR? Like probably not. Right. Like they're not wow. going to, they're probably not going to do an engagement like that during a perf like that maybe, but I mean, we're trying to put on a show and you know, maybe we got to do it during the team roping this year instead, Denny. We'll uh, we'll just pick our battles maybe. I don't know. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. And I mean, that's what it's all about when we're on these things too. And uh, I mean, a lot of these big committees and especially in British Columbia, you know, we got to be very careful. Our society has changed now. And, you know, a lot of these big rodeos I do, I mean, I do some of the biggest rodeos in North America and they ask, they want the sing-alongs and the stuff like that during the tie-down roping. They want to take a lot of focus off the tie-down roping up with the cats. 
So, you know, I think they got to understand too. There's a reason we're not trying to screw the tie down ropers, but we're trying to no. work with the committee as well, work with the tie down ropers as well. So, well, Denny, now that uh, now that the world knows that you're a former tie down roper from uh, back in the day, you're, you're probably going to be in their good books now. You're you're one of them. Well, that's what gets me about this whole thing. They think I'm a, I was against them and everything, and yet they don't know. There's a reason why I can rope a calf with an extension cord. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Danny, before we before we continue on with the you know the kind of the rodeo side of things, uh, something I've always found fascinating was uh, it was your 30 year career uh, with the Calgary Fire Department, and you know. Uh, I was fortunate to do some some firefighting up in Big Valley for a number of years, and you know a lot of that is is a lot a lot smaller scale than probably some of the the shit you've seen in the city of Calgary. Uh, you know, obviously that was a, a pretty amazing career that you were able to balance with rodeoing uh, at the same time. You know, uh, what was some of the the craziest shit you <laughs> you encountered over the years as a firefighter? Because you were right in the you were right in the thick of things uh, in, in downtown Calgary, weren't you? Actually, you know what, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Where I worked the last 15 years I spent in my career was at a 12 station in Calgary. We averaged almost 5,000 calls a year. I went to a shooting and stabbing just about every day. I don't think people, I mean, I think people knew I was a firefighter, but I don't think people realized what and where I worked, what it was like. So it, it was pretty wild, buddy. I seen stuff that uh, I think that's one of the reasons for me. I think I have a real I have a thing with kids. I, I just love kids. I will do anything for a child. I've traveled thousands of miles to go see somebody in a hospital. That's that's who I am. That's what I've always been. Is it, my sport, especially, is I've always said if I can't make a child smile, you know, I'm not doing my job. So I think I've seen things that makes me keep very grounded. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been successful in this business. I've stayed very grounded. And that's why I'm in Mar Marathorp this weekend. You know, I, I don't have to just go to the big shows. I want to try to help everybody. And I think that's one thing with my firefighting that kept me very grounded. But uh, as far as stuff that I've seen, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've uh, I took a guy's cigarettes out of his shirt after he was wrapped around a telephone pole in a car, <laughs> waiting for the cops to finish, and I didn't have smoke. So yeah, I've seen a little bit of shit. I've done it. There's a reason why I have a little bit of a crazy side to me. But you know, I always said too, buddy. The thing, the thing with firefighting is. When you see things like I've seen, and I have seen things in my career that you could not imagine, it's that picture stays in your head for the rest of your life. It's how you deal with life that makes you a friend. That's why PTSD is so strong in our job now, because it's there's so many things that guys are seeing and they don't know how to handle it. So that's where I've been very, very fortunate. How how do you guys handle it though? Like Dustin, I know you've had trouble handling it, like in your with your night terrors and your like these talking in your sleep and some crazy shit like that, but like. Denny, Dustin, how do you guys deal with this? There's not much of a safety net either. Like you guys got to go do counseling or whatever the hell on your own. Like you, there's no, there's not a lot of support on those sides. I'll tell you what, buddy. I'll tell you, you just hit, you just said something that's very true. Something, especially through my era, there was no counseling and all this kind of stuff. And PTSD, we were taught to be, we're firefighters, we're macho, we're men. We don't let things like that get to you. But you know what? We're human beings. We're just like everybody else. And I'll be 100% honest with you guys. COVID hit me very hard. And I ended up developing PTSD 10, 12 years after I retired. Never in a million years did I ever figure my personality. I'm the most happy-go-lucky, love-every-day type of person. I never thought I would get PTSD. But it hit me through COVID. And I didn't know what to do. And it just, it was there. There's, I mean, it's not something you can stop when it starts taking over. So 
But at least now we have the counseling and there are people out there that can help you. And like I said, I think our era today is a little softer than the generation I grew up in. And I think the counseling is, is a big part of our job now because things don't change. You're still seeing the same things I saw 30 years ago. You're seeing worse things now. Dustin, I, know, I, I like think Jimmy, you? you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, was the was the fire department pretty supportive of your your rodeo career? I know, I know that uh, you know it's tough balancing a full time job and and rodeoing because uh, for a long time rodeo probably wasn't your main source of income. So were they pretty pretty supportive, or was it a was it a lot of work for you to balance both? Oh no, it was great. They were they were good. I mean, because I do so much PR stuff and TV and radio and stuff, they always got positive press out of that. They were very supportive of me of that. And, and chasing my career. And yet I tried to balance the both because we could trade our shifts off. So, you know, you could work for me when you needed somebody, I could work for you. So now they were, they were very, very supportive. And there's lots of nights where I pulled in in the middle of the night, slept in the fire hall parking lot, did my shift the next day and then left back on the road. So I tell you what, my chicken, that wild looking rooster I have in my show, he spent a lot of nights in the fire hall playing tricks on people actually. So did you lay some eggs in some guy's boots or stalls or what? Uh, actually more in Cal, I'll be honest with you. I had a kid that worked for me. He was a fort or two time Olympian. He was on the four man bobsled team. He's a personal trainer and the guy, he played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The guy is a beast. I mean, he is a massive man. Uh, somebody told me he was afraid of chickens and birds. So one morning I stuck a bird, I stuck that chicken in the cupboard and every morning he'd do his workout and then he'd come and make us protein shakes. So he's just one morning, I stuck it in that cupboard there. We wedged the door because we knew he'd head for the TV room. So we wedged the door on the other side. And we wanted to see how bad we could scare this son of a bitch. Well, he come down into the kitchen. We're all sitting there. I got a kid on his phone like he's playing on his phone. He's recording it. We're recording this. And I said to him, I said, hey, protein shake, bro. Let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He walked over. He opened that cupboard door and that chicken flew out. And I'm going to tell you something, Dust. I fended for my life. I thought he was going to kill us all. There was chairs flying. He went to that door. We wedged. He hit that thing, come flying back. And he was throwing everything. And he would have killed anybody if they would have stood in his way. So we never, ever did with the rooster. But the rooster, I was worried about. Uh, another time they had a, uh, what did they have? They had one of them wild rides. I think it was in Medicine Hat where they all dress up. Bronc riders. Logan Hodson dressed up as me in my outfit. And he rode my chicken with the bronc riding. He had he Went had him under there. his arm, wasn't it? Or was that Matt? I thought it was Matt yeah, Late. Yeah. I thought it was Matt Late. Oh, oh no, you're right. It was Matt Late. And it yeah. was out, but it went out. The chicken come out of his arm. The horse stepped on the chicken and kept going, and the chicken lifts. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I remember, that chicken that chicken saw a lot of things. That I remember I remember Matt had the chicken in his arm, and then he looked over at the chicken and he was like, You ready, chicken? <laughs> and then he and then after he was like the chicken looked to be ready then he, then he got in his head and, and went for it yeah that was it that was it oh so, man that was good yeah. that was one of those good fridays in medicine hat they used to have have like such good rodeos in medicine hat on those friday purse that was like just one of the like just so electric under the lights they should have made every perf like that but for some reason it was only friday but those were you know what, that's fun. that's the most unique thing and the best part of our sport buddy is, you know, we don't make millions of dollars like a lot of other professional sports. And, you know, when you're making $5 million a year, you worry about yourself. We have such a unique sport. You know, it's like a big family. It, you know, it's fun. I always said you don't see Phil Mickelson carrying Tiger Woods' clubs. So, you know, we have we have such a uniqueness in our sport. 
And I wish that something, I think if we could show people more behind the scenes kind of thing of, you know, the traveling, the fun, the golf and the fishing, just the hanging out the trailers at night. Like I said, it's such a unique lifestyle. There, there was a couple things you mentioned in there. I want to ask about, um, you said you had some PTSD issues way yep. after your career. How are you feeling now? Did you go and get some counseling? Did you talk to somebody like, how, how are you? How are you, how are you feeling now? Uh, what, what changed or is it the same or do you struggle with it or where are you at with it? No, you know what? It's uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, it's something I think people need to talk more about. One thing I didn't go to counseling and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I made. I think if I had it again, if it did come, I would go to counseling. I did it on my own. Uh, I'll be honest. It cost me a lot of stuff. You guys know my history in the last two years. So it cost me a lot of stuff, but uh, I feel better now. I'm back rodeoing and I, you know, it's, it's hard to explain to people too. When you chase world titles and gold buckles like I do in my business or other cowboys and cowgirls in our business, you eat, sleep and drink rodeo 24 hours a day. And when COVID hit, we thought we lost everything. And Canada was so hard because we did lose everything. I mean, for two years, we had nothing. I lived in the States for a year. That's after that, I ended up going to the States. I have a place in Kalispell, Montana, and I lived there for a year. And I rodeoed out of there. So, you know, getting back to doing what I love to do and stuff has helped me more than anything. I live to entertain. I've never been in this business for the money. I love to entertain. I love putting smiles on faces. And that's that's what I get out of it. And I think that was the biggest thing that helped me the most. And like I said, I feel good. And I'm back to me. And my golf game's good again. And we're back to normal. Still still bogey golfer, Danny? Uh, I will tell you, I just shot a 39 here the other day. So Ooh. things are looking up. Oh, <laughs> did you get rid of that banana slice that you had? Oh, no. I Well, yeah, a little Vaseline on the head club helps a lot. Teddy straightened out a lot. <laughs> But I will tell you, Teddy, I'll tell you, I was just in Falkland last week and I went and golfed our course in Armstrong. Yeah. They've it's par three now. It. Yeah, it's wrecked. They have destroyed. They have destroyed yeah. our good course in Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. We got to find somewhere else because we, I played there last year and I was like, this is fucking terrible. I don't want to go here ever again. It no, was it was absolutely brutal. Couldn't yeah. believe it. So, yeah. No, you know me, I, I love it. my golfing. Love my golfing. Actually, I got to do a little golfing in Australia this year, which was pretty cool too. Teddy, I got a good golf story with Denny. Okay. We were up in we were up in Leduc about three years ago. I think it was the year before COVID hit. Me and uh, me and Denny and uh, and the Gator Ryan Petrucki were out golfing, <laughs> and uh, and this uh, really nice looking beer cart lady come pulling up, and we all kind of looked at each other like, "Oh, all right." So she pulls up, and yeah. you know, she says, "How's your guys' day going?" And we said, "Oh, really good." And Dennis says, "How about your sweetheart?" And she goes, "Oh, it's it's going really good." And she kind of looks at me and Gator and Dennis and she says, so are you, uh, she looks at Dennis and she says, so are you uh, just out having a nice day with your grandchildren or, or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That hurt. That hurt. I still think I was set up. I'm not going to give in. I still think you set me up on that one. I never seen Dennis speechless, but, uh, that, that beer car girl, I did rendered him, rendered him oh, quite man. quiet. That's actually awesome. we've had some good we've had some good times uh them golf tournaments are always i don't remember dust if you were with us the time that we were in barhead doing the finals they had the, they always have their golf tournament up there and i remember we're coming down a fairway and one of the bullfighters balls ended up in the other fairway and they got all those big christmas trees those evergreens all along the course there and we said to him they said just throw your ball over here he said, we said there's no way you're gonna hit it over them trees no i can do it typical bullfighter no i can do it Anyways, he wound up, he smacked that ball, drove it right into the evergreen, and the best part is a squirrel dropped dead out of the tree. Oh, Killed the no squirrel. Way. You would have never seen the squirrel. You couldn't see him in a million years, but a squirrel dropped out, 
And that squirrel red, rode on the windshield of that golf cart for the rest of the tournament. Oh, no. <laughs> that was, I think it was Austin Meston, Dennis, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. Who, it was, actually, because I was with him last week, and he was working in Falkland last weekend, and we were talking about it, and he had mentioned he was so talking the about the, the time. So for the rest of the finals, Dennis just randomly on the mic would yell squirrel during the performance, squirrel. and we'd all, get a good, we'd all get a pretty good kick out of it. They were gonna get it mounted. They were gonna get it mounted with the golf ball in its hand, but I don't know if they ever did. Oh man, that's awful, but funny. All right, we had pretty... some good times. Good times up at them in Barrett at them WRA finals. That's for sure. Yeah, that was oh, a, always a lot of fun up there. That's for sure. Um, there's so many ways we can go, but like speaking of Rex, I think we got to talk about uh, Hannah Alberta, yeah. Denny. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm t- I'm speaking of from Hannah and accidents in the rodeo arena? <laughs> Max? accidents accidents yeah i've uh, i haven't done that act since uh one thing i learned is never ask the president of a rodeo to be in your clown act if he's going to be drunk by the time the act happens oh no <laughs> so, uh, so let's 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 talk about what the act is danny because uh i used to really enjoy that act and actually the last time i watched it was that night in hannah so why don't you kind of set the stage on kind of what happened i kind of enjoyed doing that act too till that happened now i'm scared to do it <laughs> Uh, what the act is, is uh, I tell the announcer that uh, I can defy all law of physics. If you put a man's bare feet in aluminum pots and he swings an axe, he can hit the exact same spot every time. I've got two pots there, a chopping block with a chunk of rope on it and an axe. So I bring a guy out, I blind, I tell him he's got to concentrate. So I blind, he takes his shoes and socks off, puts his bare feet in aluminum pots. I blindfold him and he's going to swing the axe. So, of course, uh, I won't use names. Kevin Gerlitz uh, in Hannah. He was uh, in my act, and I told him, I said, if you miss that block, Gerlitz, don't move. I'll move. And he swings that axe, and, of course, he Gerlitz, you dummy, you're the first person to ever miss that thing. Well, just then, because he's blindfolded, he don't see me reaching over to readjust the block. He brings that axe up, and he caught me right across the face, right across the bottom of the nose, took my teeth out, broke my, squashed my palate in two spots, split me in two spots for stitches, and knocked the last three teeth out I had. I, I, I still remember I was sitting in the time to end when that happened and I was just there watching that night and I, I had seen that act and I knew that obviously was, was not how it was supposed to go. And you, you were went running out of the arena almost, almost immediately. And the people beside us were just howling. They're like, they thought it was, they thought that was the best act they'd ever seen, but um, <laughs> obviously it didn't go the way planned. I actually, true story. A guy went up to the music girl in intermission and asked her where she got that sound effect. They thought that that was a sound effect. Oh, now, God. if you watch it on YouTube, you'll only watch it once. Because the, the axe kind of hit your mic and there was like a huge thud. It did sound fake almost. Well, my mic was sitting just below it. But yeah, it never hit my mic. It hit my, that was just a solid, that was the thug on that that you hear. That's just the axe hitting my teeth. Yeah. So, yeah, that, was a, that wasn't a good day at the office. Did you, have to go, did you have to go hit Warwick's for some emergency surgery that night, or what happened? Actually, I'll tell you another good story. Everything in my life is a good story. So, anyways, I go out and I play hockey and Hannah with the boys out there. Anyways, uh, the the denture that's, and the denture, the guy that lives there, he, uh, I played hockey and everything. Day, good friend of everybody's out there. Anyways, when I got busted up, they phoned him right away and said, "Hey, you got to come to town. Dennis has got busted up, got hit in the face, got a bunch of teeth, dentures broken." And uh, the dentist couldn't come to town because he was drunk and there was nobody home to drive him because they were all at the rodeo. True story. <laughs> oh, no way. Is that, okay, question, is that, Dustin, would that have been Wacy's ex-girlfriend's dad? Is that right? The dent- dentist guy or is that off topic? 
some it would be something and it would be it would definitely a relay i'm not sure all the, the no i think actually there. i think it is actually i think yeah. it is that was that is her dad yeah 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 great okay. guy great guy he actually yeah. he, he told him because he was hammered he said i'll meet you there at 6 30 tomorrow morning and he was there at 6 30 the next morning saturday morning he was at that clinic no way and you worked but, the sunday perf didn't you denny yeah or he was there sunday morning because the best part of that whole thing was everybody forgot what happened to me on friday night on Friday night, a bull actually stuck his head inside my barrel. Oh gosh! With me, with me in it. Yeah, everybody forgot about that because I got hit with the axe on Saturday, so everybody forgot what happened on Friday. So, oh my, good old God. Hannah. Yeah, Jeez. good old Hannah. Guess would you would you have any insurance on that, uh, or did you have to? Uh, is that all out of pocket? <laughs> or did Kevin Gurley? Did I mention in? that I have? Did I, did I mention I have a, a pension with the Calgary Fire Department? Yes. <laughs> And our benefits, so yeah. No, I was taken care of. Now, that was, was that was a that was a wild one. I'll, I'll never forget that. And again, only the few of us who knew that that didn't go right were uh, were quite worried, and the rest of the people thought that was entertaining as hell. Oh boy! Like I said, I got twenty thousand hits on YouTube. Jeez, I didn't know accidents like that would be covered for a yeah. gentle plan. But yeah. Well, speak speaking yeah. of Rex, though, Denny, we. Uh, uh, you mentioned the PR and and the fire department liked having the PR with you at the rodeos, but there was one time in Regina when you talked about Trudeau and the PR wasn't as good. Uh, I've never had eight thousand shares on Facebook. No, Ted, that was. Uh, <laughs> I got to be honest, and uh, I mean that was just as much a shock to me. It, I mean, the way it all unfolded at the end, kind of was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I never in a million years thought I'd get. In- in shit for seeing a Trudeau joke at a Saskatchewan rodeo. But like I said, that kind of, that kind of turned out ugly, but in the long run, it actually, it was kind of funny. So anybody does know. Yeah. I, I said a Trudeau joke in uh, Regina and an activist lady turned me in. Anyways, the press went nuts with it and uh, it was all right at the beginning. You know, I got probably two, 300 messages from people telling me they supported me and this is a conservative province and everything. And then uh, after that, it started to get to, you know, your sport is cruelty to animals. You disrespected our country. And then, like I said, I got 8,000 shares on that stupid thing. And the best part was after I did that Trudeau joke without a word of a lie, a big 350 pound Indian guy stood up and goes, Don Cherry for prime minister. And the crowd went wild. Like the crowd loved the joke. So, but another thing to that, that actually another funny story. So, uh, the next year I'm there and, uh, the fellow that was running against Trudeau for the prime minister thing. Anyways, I see a group of businessmen with the news press and TV cameras and news press with them coming down the stairs and they're walking down where we all are, where our dressing rooms are at Regina aggravation down below. And, uh, they kind of, the, there's four gentlemen and I see they walk up to my dressing room and they asked one of the guy cowboys going in, they said, is the rodeo clown in? And I just happened to be behind them talking to a guy, but they didn't know who I was. And they said, is the rodeo clown in there? And they go, actually, he's right there. And they turned around and I was now, are you the rodeo clown? I said, yeah, I am. Anyways, they said, we just want to tell you, we really enjoyed your show last night. You had us laughing and stuff. And Anyways, that was good, and it was the premier for Saskatchewan. It was the MP or whatever for the Regina area, uh, Peter O'Toole and somebody else. Oh, Aaron and, O'Toole, uh, and it's probably Brad Aaron Wall or O'Toole. Scott Moe. Scott Moe yeah, or Brad yeah. Wall. Yeah. Scott Moe. It was that Scott Moe guy. Yeah. So anyways, uh, they're all around. We had some pictures taken. As they're walking away, the press all walks away. Before them stop, and they come back to me, and they said, hey, 
we heard you got some shit for a Trudeau joke last year. I said, yeah, I did. They said, you got to tell us the joke. I told that Aaron O'Toole the Trudeau joke a year later, and he thought it was hilarious, and I guarantee he used it. <laughs> Only in my world. <laughs> on, on, on that topic, um, you know, the world has shifted quite a bit politically. Uh, you know, just, just everything's changed so much. You know, the evolution of rodeo clowns telling jokes with political humor that landscape has had to have changed a ton. What have you noticed in, in that respect of uh, what jokes you tell and what lines you can cross and can't cross anymore? Because it's, it's obviously changed. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to be very careful. Uh, nowadays, especially, it's just, I mean, it's the, the problem we have nowadays, every joke that I use is going to offend somebody. So you just got to be careful where you use it, how you use it. Uh you know, like a good example is, you know, I, I do one where I said, you know what an Amish woman's fantasy is? And the announcer says, no, I said two Mennonites. Well, funny joke, but you can't say it in, you know, like fall. You, you Marathorpe, you could probably get away with it up here, right? So you got to be very careful. Politics, you got to be very careful. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't used the Trudeau joke since I got my ass handed to me in Regina. It's a great joke. I could use it in Alberta, especially right now. But just you just got to be careful. So anything I do, if you if you watch my show, I talk about me a lot. I talk about my mother-in-law a lot. I talk about my family a lot. I talk about my wife a lot. So it's all stuff that relates to me. But at the same time, you know, people will take and go, hey, uh, you know, you're you're against women. You bash your mother-in-law and your wife. Well, people forget it's comedy. That's, you know, people take comedy as serious things. Now, when I'm telling stuff, it's not, I'm, I'm joking about stuff. It's not serious. So you just got to be very careful because you're right. The dynamics have changed. But the other thing too, Dust, it's changed for us. I do more work than I've ever done in our sport. You know, right now, we have a real problem with contestants in our rough stocking. When you get three bareback riders and only four bull riders, the rodeo clown and the announcer have to do more to entertain a crowd to bring them back tomorrow. And when you've only got four bull riders to end a rodeo, it's tough. Or when you only got three bareback riders to start a rodeo, it's tough. So I found that we've got to work harder and do more now to entertain our shows than I had to 15 years ago. What, what goes into, I guess with that, you know, when you talk about your show and, and uh, what works and what doesn't, you know, what, what inspiration do you get for, for new jokes or what, what is kind of, what kind of guides your show and, and what kind of humor you use and your acts? Like what, what, where does the inspiration come from when you add anything new in? Uh, you know, I see different stuff. I'm watching all the time. I'm listening to stuff all the time. You know, things that work for me may not work for somebody else. You know, uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've had other clowns, you know, I've given stuff to that I know isn't going to work for me to my style but yet it'll work for them so i kind of it's you know it's it's like that i got one right now that i just said you know i'm trying to get the son of law of the year award and of course you know it says well what's that i said well i just bought my mother a beautiful gold bracelet well he says that's very kind of you i said but she freaked she didn't like the saying on it you know i said well what's the saying on it i said do not resuscitate so funny joke talking about my mother-in-law but somebody can take that serious at the same time right so like I said, the whole our whole world has changed when it comes to that comedy end of it. So you just got to be very careful where and what you use. Well, I, I agree with you. And then, and then uh, you know, jokes are one thing, but hauling around a trailer and, and axe, uh, that, that's a whole nother, a whole nother animal. And I guess, you know, when, when I look at rodeo clowns and, and maybe even versus entertainers, there's, there's guys now that don't do any acts at all. And it's strictly just entertaining or hype man or, or walk and talk. Yeah. Uh, but, but a big part of your show is, is your acts. Uh, you know what? 
Flint, I'll be honest, Flint has changed the business. You know, everybody tries to be a Flint nowadays. They try to do the walk and talk and no comedy, just play off whatever's happening. And I, and I'll be honest, you can't. There's, there's only one Flint. There'll never be another Flint. Uh, I'm still old school. Lisa Harris was my mentor. He, uh, so for me, I'm still old school. I like the well, I like the comedy end of it. I like the act end of it. And, you know, for me, I've got 20 different acts. So I like mixing it up. I like doing stuff like last weekend I was flying my bathtub and this weekend I might drive my motorbike. So I enjoy doing the acts, but I think a lot of guys have lost. And that's why, you know, a lot of guys don't get good reports back. You know, people say they suck because <laughs> they try to be a Flint. You can't be a Flint. You have to develop your own stuff. Let's talk about the bathtub. I know, Ted, you had that on our <laughs> list. We got we got to talk about the bathtub because there's not a lot of people that uh, that jump a bathtub through a ring of fire. Where did that come from? and who? Who built the first protege mobile submobile? I did. You know what, buddy? It's just all those nights of traveling, your mind, you know, you're thinking all the time of acts. And I don't know. I just kind of thought about something. I wanted something different. And everybody kind of had a car and different stuff. And I thought about a bathtub, something that could shoot water. And I could jump off a ramp and burn and ring a fire in a bathroom. And that's kind of how it started. So, yeah. I, and I've done that act a thousand times. Have you ever had any wrecks in the tub? Oh, you have no idea, buddy. Yeah, I've had where they didn't put the legs out in the ramp, and I hit the ring, and it wrapped around the gas tank. It caught on fire. I was in Kindersley, Saskatchewan. The whole tub caught on fire underneath the gas tank. I pulled the fire extinguisher, being a good firefighter. I hit the button and shot myself with the fire extinguisher. On on purpose or by so, accident? By accident. I thought I was shooting it the right way because it was behind me, so I went to shoot it behind me, and I shot myself. And oh <laughs> shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've man. had some. I've had some ugly wrecks. Well, I was gonna say like. Is is the Kevin Girl wreck the worst wreck, or is there something else that's that you've had to happen that was close to it? Or uh, yeah, I think my, no, my worst wreck was in Armstrong when Shiver and Shake got me. Oh, uh, anybody that remembers Shiver and Shake, probably one of the most deadly bulls we had in Canada. Uh, as soon as he bucked the guy off, you had to have that gate. He would leave, but if he didn't have that, you didn't have that old gate. He'd come back and he'd hook anything. And of course, the gate guy standing on top of the gate watching it, not opening it. Uh, bull come back in he stuck a horn up actually tom cassidy's horse's ass ripped his horse i mean ripped his horse bad and i was along that fence and you know how they got that tall fence and armstrong so i just screamed at him i just screamed at that bull and of course he come a thousand miles an hour so i just jumped up on that fence and i grabbed that top pipe and i just bent my legs figuring he'd go right by me and that son of a bitch hit me underneath the legs threw me up in the air and i come down on that pipe and i broke four ribs and i just about lost my spleen holy so shit. Yeah, that's that to me. I still got two ribs that stick out that shouldn't. So, no, I still remember that one. That was an ugly day, that one. But that would have to be about my worst wreck. Holy shit. Was that, did, was that like Sunday or during the middle of the rodeo? Or when was that? Like, did you still yeah, finish last, the rest of it? Last, last perf, last perf, second last bull. Oh, boy. Jeez. Yeah, I got like, my bell rung there. I don't know if you've seen my new track. I always bug Brett Monnier because that Buckington got me in, uh, Armstrong a couple years ago, the bull was leaving the arena, and old Brett slipped in and just kind of threw a little fake on him. All brought him back in the arena, made a pass by him, and then that bull seen me and he beat. I didn't have to go to sports medicine. Sports medicine came to me. <laughs> oh dang, that's a bad. So one. I've had a few in Armstrong. Okay, so we're going back to. I got to go back to Axe and a few things here. I got a couple things that uh, our friend and editor of the show, Sean Morton, brought up. So he had a few things. He's, he's wondering. <laughs> Sean was wondering if you, if you've had any silly string incidents over the years, if the silly string has gone horribly wrong. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, actually I did. I sprayed a guy's jacket. He came after and told me I owed him $700 for his leather jacket that I wrecked. 
So what'd you do? The one that always used to get me into trouble was my t-shirt gun. I remember one time I was out of roadie and I shot the t-shirt off and I hit an old lady in the side of the head, knocked her glasses right off her program, went flying. Holy shit. I got a lawsuit for sure. <laughs> that rodeo ended, that rodeo ended. I went right up to them bleachers and I said, ma'am, I am so sorry. I apologize. I hope I didn't hurt you. And her kids were all around her laugh and thought it was the coolest thing that I hit granny in the head. <laughs> and so did she. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, so so the silly string though. You, you did you got buy the guy a new jacket or did you buy him a beer? Or what did what did you do? Did you just tell him like I told you know, him. I told is... him. I gave my I gave him my address and stuff and said send me a bill. I'd be more than happy to pay for your job. I mean, what do you do? I pretty well have to, right? Yeah. And I never did hear from the guy. So yeah. I know there's lots of times I piss guys off because I like I said I always throw candy to the kids and you always get some adult every time somebody will grab one. And as soon as I do, I nail them with silly string. And I know I pissed a few guys off because they're when I hit them, I get them right in the mouth. <laughs> so they're not really impressed with a mouthful of silly string but oh well that's what you get for taking candy from a kid hey how many cans of silly string do you go through in a rodeo season thousands i don't know buddy a lot i know that kids think i uh kids think i know or that i do a uh that i make silly string that i have a factory okay oh, are you still there yeah we're here we're here still good you just have your morning production meeting you guys are all set for the show or what yeah we're good Okay, perfect. Well, like I said, that's one of the reasons. Like, I come up here for the Rie family. His Travis, I don't know if anybody knows Travis. He's always been good about helping kids and close to the Smith family. But his mom is a super lady, and she's always asked me about coming here. So uh, I told her this year, if I could make it, I would definitely come. So she's one of the reasons the Rie family is the reason I'm up here this weekend. Well, and, and that's that's Val, right? And she was the secretary for the WRA for a long time, was she not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think she still is. I think she's still involved with the WRA. Oh, okay, right on. Well, so going back to, to the acts thing, one one uh, to the acts for your events, not the acts thing, uh, what what Sean wants to know what okay. it's like when a bomb doesn't go off. We're wondering about that. Like if like if something goes wrong, like what do you what do you got to do or how do you salvage how do you salvage uh, an act if something goes that's off when, or goes haywire? That's when you find out how good of a clown you really are. Because that's when you got to start talking and you got to cover your ass. So, Denny, we were we were talking about when the bombs don't go off and how good of a clown you, you got to be. Uh, are you a licensed pyrotechnician? Um, uh, and what's your batting average on the bombs actually going off percentage-wise? Because... I know over our, the course of our career working together, I, I would say you're probably, you got to be at least 80%. Hey? I would like to think more at 90, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know what? There's those days that things don't go work right. And I mean, it's, and like I said, that's when you find out how good of a clown you are because you're going to have to talk real fast. But like I said, a lot of times when the act goes so, that makes it even funnier. People love that. What's, uh, what's your favorite thing to blow up? Ah, my bathtub. I love doing the bathtub act. That's for me. That's always been my act. I love it. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned kind of being tired by the fall. Um, what's, what's the burnout like for going to all these shows and and being on the road all the time? And, you know, like it's gotta be tough on, on the relationship side of things, honestly. And it's unfortunate, but when you're gone that much, that's gotta be tough. And, you know, seeing your family and missing, you know, you probably haven't been to many weddings in the over the years like it's a, it's a different lifestyle a guys got to live to be to work and be successful at these events yeah you know what buddy i don't think people realize the commitment it takes and like i said when you're chasing gold titles and world buckles and yeah i'm gonna be honest with you it 
costs a lot of relationships in our business. If you look, there's not many rodeo clowns that, you know, stay married. <laughs> it's a shitty deal, but, but you know, it's, it, and, and it's tough, you know, like I average about 120 to 130 performances a year. Uh, by the time I get, like, I'll leave here. I got two more shows here and then I go to Reno for 10 perfs. Then I go to Livingston for five, uh, Caldwell for six. It just, you know, I, by the time I get home in September, I'm burnt out. And I got to be honest, my age is catching up with me. The last couple of years, I definitely don't heal like I used to. I used to be very lucky with healing up, and I don't. And burnout is big, big. But uh, you talk about family stuff. I think that's one of the things through COVID and everything I went through the two years. I think it makes you just appreciate. I think we take a lot of stuff for granted. And uh, I think it just made you slow down a little bit and appreciate that we're still pretty lucky to be able to have what we have and still to be able to do what we do for our lifestyle and living. Do you, do you think you'll continue to be in the barrel for quite a long time? Or do you think you'll get rid of the barrel at some point and with where you're at? Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying you're old, but I'm just saying, like you just said, oh, you're, no, okay. you're feeling, you're feeling like you're a little tougher to, <laughs> tougher to heal up. Right. Like <laughs> you're being you know. a, you're being up. You know what, buddy, I'm 63 years old and still working my barrel and taking a hit. You know, there's a lot of guys, and I'll be honest, I had a kid that phoned me. He was, he's in his thirties and he goes, Hey, uh, can I work a rodeo without a barrel? I'm just getting tired of getting hit in the barrel. And he's in his thirties. I'm sitting here at 63, still getting my ass handed to me. Uh, you know what? Rodeo, um, that's part of the job is working a barrel. And I still love the adrenaline. I still, it's, it's, you know, I, I love the adrenaline getting hit, but I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it, getting that barrel. I mean, it's not what people, so yeah, but I don't ever see myself work a rodeo without working my barrel. That's, that's who I am. I don't know if I could do that. So, and you know, I get now, you know, I got rodeos that are trying to hire me three years out and four years out. And I tell them right up front. At my age, I don't sign, you know, three, four years down the road. I go year to year. So, Dennis, do you see a time in the next five to 10 years where anyone that's coming up uh, in rodeo opts to go the, you know, kind of entertainer, hype man only route just to avoid doing acts and barrels? Or, or do you see that it's something that, you know, there'll be enough guys to kind of carry that that way on with working the barrel and, 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 and kind of how, how, you, uh, how you operate in the arena? Well, you know, and I think a barrel, you have to. I don't think you eliminate a barrel. I mean, barrel also has a very important part in rodeo. You know, it's a safety island for your bullfighters and your bull riders. You know, that's even though we make it look funny and stuff out there, it's, you know, it's you're there for a reason. Like last weekend, I had, uh, I think it was Coy Robbins, bull tracked his ass down. He come to that barrel, bull kind of come to us. He went free. I take a hit. So, you know, there's a reason why that barrel's there. And, you know, it saves people. And it's and it's a good safety valve for your bullfighters. So I don't think you can ever really take a barrel out of rodeo. And I think the guys that will try to do that and try guys that will try to just do that, no barrel, I don't think they'll be very successful. Dan, you've, you've mentioned a couple times today about, you know, chasing gold buckles. And, and uh, you know, in your intro, we talked about your twice been to the NFR as the alternate barrel man. Um, probably a lot of people don't know. And, and, and I, I think I remember being with you a few times over the years when uh, you've been waiting to find out, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a kind of a process, but what, what is the process to get to the NFR? Um, Cause it probably a lot of people don't know how it really works. It's, it's not just, Hey, we're going to pick one guy and he's there. It's, it's a process, isn't it? Well, yeah, because we get paid every rodeo. So it's not like a cowboy or cowgirl where it's the most money, the top 15. For us, it's a little different. So what happens? Performance is so many rodeos to qualify. And then, uh, there's probably about 100 people, I guess, or 150 people that vote between bullfighters, announcers, judges. Everybody votes on all of us, and out of that, they pick the five. And then when they re, then they re-vote again on just the top five and the top two vote. So yeah, so I, like I said, I've been very fortunate to go twice as the alternate. Uh, 
I think you have to be realistic with yourself. Again, back to my firefighting, it's kept me very grounded. I, I'm very realistic with myself when it comes to goals and stuff. And I'll be honest, getting the alternates like an NFR for me. Uh, to be a Canadian and an American, the top five are all super, super guys. But they are all American. I'm a Canadian and an American market in the entertainment business. And when it's a list, then most of those guys down there, right? Being a Canadian. So, but like I said, just being the alternate from. No, it's okay. Yeah, sir. Gotta, we got to thank Sean Morton's hometown of Marathorpe for having shitty phone service. Yeah, where is that son of a bitch? I figured yeah. he'd be here by now to buy me coffee. Yeah, he uh, he said he's in Dawson Creek today, and he's got to go to Lacklebish tomorrow to that uh, that thing at uh, Caslin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Denny, we were we were just talking about the NFR and, and getting down there, and you know, twice been the alternate. Uh, you know, you've also been the entertainer here in Canada, you know, ten times against. You know what I think over the years is there's been some uh, some really good guys in in the running, and and you've also been a part of the Canadian Finals Rodeo and. And uh, now the last number of years, the CFR is elected to to not have a, a clown there. Uh, you know, what's kind of your, your thoughts on on them not having an entertainer as part of the Canadian finals? Uh, be honest with you, I think it's absolutely bullshit. <laughs> I know it, but I think uh, we pay cards and I think everybody in the Specialty Act deserves an equal opportunity to be at the Canadian finals like everybody else. And I'm not saying it has to be me. As a card holder in our association, each one of us in the Specialty Act and part of our, our, our association deserves equal opportunity to go to the Canadian finals like anybody else. And, you know, we have some great talent in, in Canada, especially in the specialty acts as well. And uh, the thing I hear from people, the biggest complaint I hear is that our Canadian finals is just a normal rodeo. You know, there's no excitement to it. And uh, I think there needs to be more crowd interaction. I don't think it's as a rodeo clown. I don't think you work it like you do other shows. I think your time is very set, you know, uh, simple things like the sing along thing. You know, it's a three minute thing. Uh, shooting t-shirts to a crowd, two minute thing, but it brings that crowd energy out. And I just think we need a little bit more of that crowd entertainment and involvement. And I'll tell you when it, like we talked about earlier with the barrel, that barrel is there for a reason. You as the CPRA and the CFR, you have an obligation to make that arena as safe as possible. And one of the safety valves of a bull riding is the barrel. So by taking the barrel out, you know, we, you're eliminating the safety valve. You're not providing the most safest arena you can for your, for your bull riders. So that's, that's kind of always been my thing. And I'll be honest with you, I was never a fan when they went to the three bullfighter thing at the Canadian finals. I don't believe in that. I think we only have 12 bull riders. I think two guys is, was sufficient. I understand the PBR has three, but they also have 50 bull riders a night. I don't think we need three bullfighters for 12 guys. I think it was good the way it was with the alternate. And of course, in the long run, that cost us not being at the CFR. What do you think about... Uh... What what are your thoughts on when when a guy like Flint got to go? Like nothing against Flint, he's been on the show. He just retired. He's a he's a friend of mine, probably a friend of yours too. But kind of yeah. it would been kind of crappy for you in your shoes and probably Ash too to you know go work all these Canadian rodeos all year. And then at the finals they bring a guy like Flint in. Like I could imagine that'd be a like a touchy yeah. point <laughs> too for years, right? Yeah. For sure. I mean, that's a bit of a kick in the ass. There's no question about that. You know it, uh, but at the same time, it's. If when they're bringing an entertainer that is above what your caliber is, and I truly believe, I mean, Flint is one of the, like I said, he's a talented man. And uh, I mean, if it was somebody that was pretty hard to say anything about Flint. Uh, so, so Dennis, you know, uh, you know, obviously last year, I think last year was probably a, a good reflection of kind of what the state of the industry is in Canada, as far as entertainers and clowns. You know, when when we get the ballot for for clowns of the year, there, there's not a lot of names on there anymore. And 
And I know that uh, you've been mentoring somebody new on the scene, a uh, close friend uh, of yours. Uh, you know, I guess let's talk about uh, Scotty Burns getting into the clown game and, and with that kind of the state of rodeo clowning in Canada and, and the lack of the lack of people doing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, Scotty and I have been together for 30 years and I know it's something he's always kind of wanted to, to try. It's, you know, kind of been in the back of his head. He's always talked about it for years. And then about uh, six months ago, he phoned me up one day and he was pretty serious. He said he needed to talk to me. I said, yeah, sure. What's up, buddy? He goes, I don't need you to tell anybody this. And I thought, man, you're sick. Like, what's wrong? I said, what's up? He goes, I want to try clowning. So <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what, I will help you 100%. And I've always been. That's one thing. I will never, ever turn anybody that wants to learn how to be a rodeo clown away. I think there's a certain talent, natural talent that you have to have to be in this business. Not everybody has that, but I will never turn anybody away. But Scotty's always had that. So uh, long story short, I told him to phone Lee Bellows. And of course, anybody that knew about Lee, of course, Lee was pretty sick at that time. And he'd always told Scotty he should be a clown too. And so he phoned up Lee and uh, went and saw Lee and Lee gave him everything he owned, which probably was one of the best things that could have happened for Lee knowing that his stuff was going to Scotty and it was going to pursue his career. So, yeah, so I sent Scotty to uh, Tisdale and uh, and North Battleford were his first two rodeos. He did really good, but I'll tell you a kind of funny thing. Anybody that's seen me wear my horse head, so he had a horse head with him at uh, his first rodeo. He puts his mask on. Now, as soon as that gate cracks, them bulls make that first jump. I pull those masks off so I can watch that bull if I have to talk my barrel, but I, I got a full view. Scotty hadn't figured that part out yet because it was his first rodeo. Bull bucks, he can see out the nostrils, and you can only see two little holes. He sees the bull coming, he goes to pull the mask off, it gets stuck on his ears, can't get the mask off, barely gets down, and eats the inside of his barrel right on his face. Welcome to his first rodeo. Oh, no. <laughs> and the, the other one was he was out there, and you got to make sure your barrel's on level ground, so it's his first perf, first bulls. He goes out there, he jumps in the barrel, he's kind of shaking it around, trying to be a hot dog, and the fucking barrel tips over on top of him, just about breaks his ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's oh, why you're in uh, rural Saskatchewan somewhere, hey? Yeah, so yeah, so it's kind of fun, and like I said, it's kind of cool. I, I, it's been a really cool thing having him get involved in it, because, you know, our friendship's always been very close, but, I mean, this has made us even closer, and now they've got a They've got a deal going on Brandon the first week of October, some stampede final series or something. So him and I are looking, I'm looking at getting out to Brandon through that week and uh, him and I are looking at doing it together. So I think that'd be a real highlight if we could do something like that too. What's uh, what would your clown uh, duo name be? Scotty and Scotty and Denny, Scotty and Denny's excellent Ying adventure and, or what? Ying and Yang. <laughs> hey, hey, Dennis. With that said, have you yeah. ever have you ever co-clowned a rodeo? Have you ever had two clowns? Because I've I've heard of that in the past where they've hired two clowns to work first. Have you have you done that up here? <laughs> oh yeah, they uh, for eight years it was me me and Lisa Harris. That's how Lisa Harris became my mentor for eight years. The Calgary Stampede, Winston would hire Lisa and myself. So I worked with Lisa for years, and then I had a really cool thing last year. I was in Helena, Montana, which is if you ever get a chance to go to Helena, Montana, it is the secret of Montana. It is an unbelievable rodeo. But uh, they hired Troy Lerell, who's the, the wild child. And Troy and I are very good friends. Anyways, uh, the Ram National Circuit Finals, the first year that they had it in Kissimmee, Troy and I both qualified. I qualified as the Rodeo Clown Barrelman. He qualified as a specialty act. 
and uh, they let us work together there because you had to set up Troy Zach. So that we did it the first day, they liked it. So they let us run the whole finals with both of us. So it was really cool. And then last year, Helena brought us in, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. It, but you know, you gotta be careful who you do that with because there's a lot of strong personalities in our business. And me and Troy are just no ego type of guys. Like we just we just love. We don't try to compete against each other. We just go to have fun. So. It, 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 I really enjoy it. I, I mean, it's something we don't get to do a lot of, so the chances that we do, it's a good time. But like I said, you got to be careful. You couldn't do it with all, all rodeo clowns for sure. Dennis, did you, uh, did you work that COVID rodeo by yourself or what happened there? Yeah, that COVID rodeo cost me. We had to touch on that. And you know what? I'm going to be honest again with you guys. That's when I was going through my PTSD and everything. And, uh, Things weren't really good in my world. I needed to be back. Like I said, I haven't, I've never been in this business for the money. I live to entertain. And being out of the rodeo arena for over a year like that, and I figured our sport was done in Canada. None of us knew where the future of this world was going. And uh, I needed to get back in a rodeo arena. And uh, I went and did that rodeo for Ty. I would go back again today and do it again if I had to. And, uh, I mean, it cost me. I know the CPRA, I'm not going to lie, CPRA held it against me. That's one of the reasons why I haven't been at CFR the last few years. It cost me, but in the same time, what it did for me going through what mentally I was going through, I needed to do it. And like I said, I would go back again. So kind of my, my thing. Uh, you've been part of the, like, is it the Royal Easter Fair in Sydney, Australia, Denny? Is that what that is? You've been there a few different times. We just had to touch on that a little bit and talk about, talk about that. And then I've got a couple other, other things I want to get to, but that was, that was a big one. Cause you, you've talked about it lots. Oh, uh, I, you know, it's surreal. I, you know, it's one of those shows, Ted, you, you, you can't even, you almost have to see it to believe it. I mean, we think the Calgary Stampede is, is a big show here. This thing is twice the size of the Calgary Stampede. They got two midways. That's how big it is. It's on the grounds of the Olympics, uh, where the Olympics were. So we're actually in the baseball stadium, and we have twenty-five to 30,000 people a night in a stadium. And they are just wild. But it's not like the Calgary Stampede where you pay to go to the rodeo and you pay to go to the night show. When you come in the gate at the Royal Easter Show, and I think they were at 1.7 million people are through their gate is what they put through but when you come through their gate everything's free so that's why we have 25 to 30,000 a night so the rodeo runs for an hour then the night show runs for an hour shortly after that and then the fireworks so it's all one show together and it's free so it's incredible and I always said Aussies are like us they're very easy going they're like us Canadians but they're like drunk Canadians because they take it to a whole different level over there but it is absolutely one of the coolest shows I've ever worked in my life and I've been there. I think this was my fifth time back to Australia now. Is it is it all the the major rodeo events, Denny? Like it's it's structured just like rodeo here, essentially? No, no, no. They run what they run over there is they run bareback, saddle bronc, bulls, and steer wrestling. Uh, that's only the four events they run. And the first year I was there was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. The steer wrestling. They run two guys at the same time to race car lights. That's cool. Showdown. Yeah, That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and then the next, and I always said, I told the Milan boys here, I said, next time you have a jackpot, you have to do this. Match oh, everybody up fairly equal, and everybody just keeps going to the next round. No yeah, way. it was very cool, and oh, the crowd cool. loves it. No way. That's a good idea. Why don't you gonna have dueling bull rides too? That'd be a little dangerous, but why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Denny, one one thing I wanted to ask you, and 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 and, and I and I and I asked this with all due respect. Uh, to what you do or whatever, but um, staying fresh, you know, and, and, and I'm sure after you go into some places for a long time, people say, oh, we've heard your jokes. We, you know, how do you decide with what works and, and what you can keep reusing and, 
and stuff that kind of stands the test of time because there's got to be an art to that because I'm sure there's lots of guys and, and, and we probably say this because we all travel together so much where it's, oh, I've heard that or that always, that one's always kind of funny or that one makes me laugh or it's, it seems repetitive. Is, it, do, do you find that often or, or do you just, are you just kind of able to be like a country singer and just keep kind of rolling and doing your shows week in and week out? Yeah, that's what I tell people. You know, George Strait doesn't sing different songs every town he goes to. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, one of the gifts that I've always had is I have uh, something that Lisa taught me, but I have joke sheets that I carry in my back pocket. Very seldom do I ever pull them out. There's probably over 300 jokes in that on that sheet. I never pull it out. It's more for security in my own mind. I don't know what it is. There's a lot of things. I don't, I'm not exactly, college wasn't an option for me, but when it comes to jokes and that kind of stuff, I can remember stuff and have stuff in my head. And I, if you watch my show, every performance, I try to use different material. I won't probably use the same jokes every rodeo. And the next year I go there, I try to use stuff that I didn't use there the year before. So it's been almost two years since people have heard. And when you get two and three years out, people don't remember the joke. So it's kind of, that keeps it fresh in itself. But you can't keep using like the Balzac joke every day, every day. And, you know, there's a lot of guys, and I'll be honest, and a lot of American guys, they do the same show, the same jokes every day, same act, same jokes every day. And by the third day, you can tell exactly what joke they're going to do. You know what act they're going to do. And they do that every year, same thing every year. And that's just, that's a lot of the style. A lot of guys, that's the majority of the style within the clown industry. But for me, I've always been different. I like to have a variety. And uh, like I said, I try to use different stuff as much as I can and always looking for new material too. How important it is to have, uh, you know, obviously we work together lots, but how is important as the announcer for setting you up and, and, and kind of leading you to success in the arena? And, and I don't say this to brag, but, you know, a lot of the times uh, there's a lot of material that uh, we got to make sure we're on the same page on it. How important is it for you? And, and have you had any real battles with, with certain guys when it comes to uh, making sure everything goes good in, in the arena? I'll tell you what, buddy, 100%. Announcer is 100% of my show. We are a team as a rodeo clown announcer. You are a team. And without a good announcer, my show isn't good either. But one of the best compliments like you and I get, you know, we don't see each other for maybe five, six months. We work a show and people think we work every weekend together. They don't realize we can only see each other once every couple of months kind of thing, right? So an announcer is so important to my show. And for me, my show is so easy. I've never really had an announcer. I mean, there's like anything in our business, there's some personalities out there that are pretty strong. Some but, dick, uh, dickhead at sound the same guys, time, I've been yeah, some guys are the worst. <laughs> but no, I've been, I'm pretty easy to work with, and there's not too much. I've never really had too many problems in an arena as far as working with different people, different announcers. And I guess to Ted's credit and to Ted's point, uh, especially now with music directors and 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 how they're being utilized in in Canada and North America, uh, that's a that's another big cog in the wheel as far as what you do with your acts and sing-alongs, because. Uh, Lord knows if uh, you're trying to do a sing-along and they play the wrong song or don't play anything uh, or, or different parts of the song, it can, it can really impact the, uh, the feel to the crowd, doesn't it? Oh, I don't think people realize how important music is until you go to a roadie with no music. Your music, man, it's, it's basically, it's all of us. We're a team. Everybody's a team. And it's everybody doing their job, whether it's the shoot boss, anything. It's all of us working together. And when you work together like that, that's what comes across in the arena. So if you have an announcer that doesn't work with a clown, that shows in arena. If you have a music person that screws up and has a terrible selection of music, that shows. So it's all of us working together. But I'm a huge believer. I love music and I love music brings out the energy in a crowd. 
and the crowd loves to play. Everybody, we have the most extreme, exciting sport there is. People come, they want to have fun at our, our shows. But I think we have to bring the energy out of them. And that's what music does. And that's why every rodeo after my introduction, I always crack a good long one-liner. And then I go to the crowd with Moni Moni or Life is Life something. But we have a clapping song. And it just starts that energy for the tone of the rodeo. Um, Dennis, speaking of being a team, um, we're always in these production meetings before the shows. And so this story goes back to Dustin actually meeting his current partner, uh, Allie, on the podcast. And so I was at a rodeo in Swift Current, and we're in the production meeting with our team getting ready to do the show. And uh, we're trying to figure out the lights and whatnot and what's happening. And there's a young lady in the production meeting. And uh, and do you remember kind of how that went, Dennis, and Swift Current and a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, I remember that. Isn't, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So we're yep. sitting, in the, sitting in the meeting and, uh, and we're trying to figure out how to turn the lights off and what the time is, timing is for the hot song and when to go house to black and whatnot. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just text you. Let me just get your number and I'll just, uh, I'll text you. And then Denny's like, ooh, what'd you say? What a way to try to pick up a girl, Teddy, in a production <laughs> meeting, asking a girl for her phone number. I'll text you to turn the lights on. Teddy, come on. Hey, and look what, it, and look what that, look at, now look where you are with that one light switch thing. Now look where you are. Hey, now you're hooked for life. <laughs> hooked for life. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so right. Gotta, That's right, too. I got to say thanks for that, Denny. I didn't know. I didn't, I for, almost forgot to bring that part up, but it's, it was a pretty big part of my <laughs> life now. So, you know, I, I got to say right, thanks, too. Denny. That's, yeah, I forgot Storm was Storm was in that meeting and she was the one that worked the light switch because we wanted the light switch or lights off and then back yeah. on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and you said, just give me your cell number and I'll text you. And I'm like, Daddy, come on. Yeah. You, yeah. In the middle number. of the meeting, in the middle of the meeting, you're like, oh, way to get her number, Ted. Nice work. Good and job, then- <laughs> Ted. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, it worked out well for you. Look yeah. What you thanks, got. thanks, Denny. I owe you one. The only, yeah, the only thing I got on my one. cell phone from Denny was uh, his dentures sitting on him in Leduc. No, I can tell you, I can tell you something with you there, buddy. I remember you leaving your phone in the announcer's booth one time on open. And I think I got hold of it. And didn't I, uh, I want to be just like Dennis Hall said when I grew up, he's my hero. On Facebook. Yeah. You got him so good. Yeah. He left his phone open. Well, Never do that again. That re- that reminds me about another thing I wanted to get to, Denny. That, um, there's so many miles in between all the places, and and there's there's so many great rodeos. And I kind of wanted to ask about what some of your favorite stops were and why. But I also got to ask, like, what are some of the wildest shit that's gone on on the road while you've been away, or like on the way to another one, or did you get stuck somewhere one time in a snowstorm, or like, what what about the stories in the road? What what are some of those uh, uh, highlights of the um, road lights? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to the traveling, buddy, I've been in some ugly, ugly weather in my career. No question about it. I mean, that's just part of the traveling. And I mean, uh, you can't stop. You got to go. Very few times have I ever been stranded and stuff. But uh, no, I mean, it's like the stories we've been talking about pretty well the whole day. You know, there's so many things that happen on the road. That's what makes our sport so unique. It's a family. It's fun. It's the stuff on the golf, you know, on the golfing and stuff. There's always something that happens there. Sitting around the trailers at night, just kind of hanging and and kind of stuff there's always something that happens there so yeah i've been uh, like i said i've had a lot of stuff <laughs> i've had a lot of stuff on the road most times because i get knocked out twice a year i forget half of it <laughs> what's, what's that your what's favorite rodeo one? danny oh yeah favorite rodeo there you go uh 
you know, I don't think I can say just one, to be honest, because like the Royal Easter show that I just do, it's so surreal. That's It's probably one of the most unique rodeos I've ever done. And I've worked Calgary eight times. And it, I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to what the Calgary has. But uh, and then there's Pendleton. You know, I've been fortunate to be to Pendleton twice. Pendleton, again, is one of the most unique rodeos in the world. I mean, until I always tell people Calgary's a show, Pendleton's a rodeo. If you want to see a rodeo, go to Pendleton. So, you know, that's kind of, and then uh, my 4th of July show, I've been to Belfouche, South Dakota, probably, I don't know, probably 10 times now on the 4th of July. And I just love Belfouche. It's cowboy country. And on the 4th of July, it's pretty wild. So, you know, that's my place for the 4th. What are, what, what are one or two or any, or maybe there's none that you haven't worked yet that you still want to, or you, you want to, but you maybe don't think you ever will, or, or what it might take, or maybe you had a falling out with the with the person doing the hiring or, you know, what, what are some that are still on the list? I, I wonder about that. Canadian finals. <laughs> hey, you worked a couple times. Uh, six times. Yeah. yeah. Actually six times I worked it, but it'd be nice. I mean, you know what? It, I'll be honest. It, it, that's, I'm no different than a cowboy or a cowgirl. That, the pinnacle of our year is to go to the Canadian finals. So not being able to go to the Canadian finals and more or less because of politics, that's probably one of the, that probably hurts more than anything. But the one thing I can say in my career of 30 years, I do not get involved in politics. I've tried to stay out of politics as much as I can. I accept that people have certain views that may not, you know, the same as mine, but uh, that's kind of the way it is. So as far as the rodeo buddy, I've been pretty lucky. I've done just about everything. I mean, Houston, sure, I'd love to work Houston, but Leon Coffee's been there for 30 years. So, you know, it's pretty tough to get into places like those kind of shows. Those are pretty well sewn right up. So like, I wouldn't change a single thing in my career. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do exactly like I've done. I mean, I can't, I've done pretty well every rodeo I can do. I've been to the NFR. I've been to the Canadian finals. I've won the entertainer of the year numerous times. So I've just been, I've just been fortunate. And I still, I feel blessed every day. And again, it comes back to like we said in the beginning, that's why I'm in Marathorp this weekend. Money's never been a thing for me. I try to promote my sport and help my sport as much as I can. And if I can come to a small town like this and help people like this this weekend, this is where I'll go. How often do the weekends get screwed up to where you don't get to go somewhere that you wanted to go because it's doubled up over something else? Does that happen very often for you? Yeah. Yeah, I get lots of that. Well, you know what my problem is, is in order to book me now, you got to book me almost two years in advance. So, you know, I'll get a rodeo like now. I've got probably five or six rodeos that have called me here in the last month going, hey, are you open for July or August? Well, there's no way anybody in our business that's got any talent at all is going to be available now two months out. So, you know, there's times you get those calls. But I can say one thing. I've had bigger rodeos phone me when I've had smaller rodeos. I will never, ever give up a rodeo that I've given a word to that I say I'm coming. I don't care how big the rodeo is that phone me. If I've given my word to somebody that I'm coming, I go. And there's guys in my business that have pulled some pretty dirty moves with that kind of stuff. They get a bigger rodeo. So they give them, you know, they give them some bullshit excuse and stuff why they can't go. But for me, if I tell somebody I'm coming, it doesn't matter what calls me after, I will go to the rodeo that I said I was going to. Dustin, you got anything else or should we wrap it up? Uh, Dennis, uh, how do you get your chickens across the border? I don't, Dustin, I don't. I paid $45 chicken import tax to bring a chicken across the border, so I no longer take a chicken across the border. I buy one in the United States, and then I free-range them. <laughs> you just let them out and in northern Montana or what? I'll tell you guys a good story. If you guys want to hear a good story on the road, I'll give you a story on the road. Because like I said, now you just clicked me into something else I did. So I used to have an emu in a nap. Well, $45 chicken import tax. I'm not taking an emu across the border. 
So I own a place in Kalispell, Montana. So I'm down there working shows. And I just happened to be looking at a paper. And this lady has an emu farm. And she has emus for sale. Well, I needed an emu in the market. They used to be, they, they were quite expensive, but the market fell off them. So anyways, I phoned this lady and I said, I just wanted a small, medium one. I didn't want a big one. She said, not a problem. I got one 50 bucks. So I bought it. I was down there for about six weeks. I'm coming home. I'm heading up the interstate there, up to 15, going through Great Falls, heading for the border. And I get to about that Conroy, Montana, about, I don't know, an hour and a half from the border. And I realized, I remembered, I got that goddamn emu in the trailer. Like, I can't take him to the border. So I pulled into one of them little truck stops there on the interstate. Three in the morning, nobody's around. I opened that trailer. I let that thing out. The last time I saw him, he was doing 100 miles an hour down that interstate heading across the field. Now the story gets even better. I let that emu, that's probably, that's probably 10 years ago I did that, that I set the emu free on the interstate. I don't know if you know Dakota Sims, the bullfighter out of uh, oh, yeah. Sweetgrass, Montana. Definitely, yeah. He's, okay, Dakota sends me a picture about two months ago of an emu that they found running wild outside of Sweetgrass, Montana. And he sent me a thing going, please tell me, this is not your emu. Now, I don't know, I, who's, this is 10 years later, but I'm sure it's not my emu. But we thought it was pretty funny that some emus running wild outside of Sweetgrass, Montana. <laughs> Fuck. So there's that's and my you, story on the road. The time I put the interstate or the emu on the interstate. If the if the emu becomes the uh, state bird of Montana, we know it was your, uh, your your start your breeding program that you released into the wild. Oh gosh. One hundred percent. I will take full responsibility. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. Life of a life of the rodeo clown. Oh man. Yep. Blow me a balloon, make me a bite, clown. Yeah. Welcome to my world. What What's the shittiest kid you've run into being a rodeo clown? Has there been some kids that are just total dinks that oh. that are super rude? You know what? I'll tell you what. Today's society is different. I just had one this weekend. So I give candy to kids. I shoot them with silly string. I play with kids. I sign autographs. This weekend, I got a kid walks up behind me and goes, give me some candy. I turn around. I looked at him. He goes, give me some candy. And I just turned around and I started, well, like, like, say, please, like, don't be, and he was being very rude about it. I start walking away. This little bastard walks up, puts his hand right in my pocket, grabs a handful of Jolly Ranchers and runs. <laughs> All I want to do is pick up a stick and whack the little bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, stuck his hand right in my pocket and grabbed a handful of and bolts. That's clown abuse. It's not, that's not okay. Yeah. I wanted to see his parrot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I remember when I was a kid and starting steer riding, you used to be sponsored by, it was Eatmore, wasn't it? Yeah, Eatmore. And you have all those, all those boxes of Eatmore, little Eatmore bars under the under the buck and shoots. And man, I remember just raiding those things and everybody was grabbing. I fed a lot of cowboys and cowgirls on them Eatmore chocolate bars for a long time. Carson Legault, I swore that's all he ate for two years. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Geez, there's so many more ways we could go on this. I'm just trying to think of what else we got to get to, Dustin. I guess we better call our day. We all got to get to do some stuff. So, oh man, we probably haven't even scratched the surface with Denny, but maybe that leaves us up for a, a good for part show. two here. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Denny, I got one last Anytime, question. Boys. I got one last question for yeah. you though. What What is your definition of cowboy shit? Ah, uh, definition of cowboy shit. Ted Stoven. No, that's not first thing I think of. <laughs> First thing I think of cowboy shit. <laughs> uh, you know what, buddy? I don't think you have to wear. I mean, it's. I think the definition of cowboy shit nowadays has changed a lot. I respect everybody. You know, it's it's 
it's one of those things nowadays, like I know with your and your cowboy shit business, I mean, look at the fans you've bought to our sport. Uh, you know, if a guy wants to wear a cowboy hat backwards and he comes to our rodeo and he's a fan and he pays a ticket, he wants to pretend to be a cowboy for a day. He's a cowboy, right? Let him be a cowboy. Uh, you know, guys say, well, you have to work on a ranch and everything to be a cowboy. No, you don't have to work on a ranch to be a cowboy. You can rodeo and be a cowboy too. So I think it's just respecting everybody's views is anything we can do to promote our sport, to make our sport better and our lifestyle and our Western culture. That's cowboy ship. I like it. Thanks for doing this, Denny. I appreciate, appreciate your time. Sorry for the technical difficulties, uh, with the Zoom bullshit, but thanks for making it work. Sounds good, boys. Well, I hope it all works out for you and I'm glad I could help you out anytime. Oh yeah. Awesome. Squirrel. (laughs) Squirrel. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll see you next weekend, Dust. Okay, see you, Teddy. Thank you very much. And they say you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull a mask off that old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with Jim. I don't do All right, thanks again to Dennis Halstead for being on the show this week. Uh, He's kind of a guy that we kind of had on the list, but just never really, never really uh, put down kind of thing. Like never really, never really uh, got him on the show, but I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad you could help, help uh, do the interview, Dustin. There's a lot of fun. And like, I think you guys have worked together probably more personal than I, I, I know like Denny and I haven't done a ton together lately, but we used to do like air duty with the three of us and, and Dave. And then I remember doing CCA finals with Denny and, I think one of the only ones I worked with him last year was in Armstrong. So um, I don't get as many reps in with him, but you guys, you guys have done a ton of purse together. Yeah, we, we worked together quite a bit. I've been fortunate in that respect. So, you know, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. We were talking about like, uh, you know, some of the acts that he does and things like that. And for me, I feel like I could probably, I could probably put on his clothes and do his, do his acts. Cause I feel like we've worked so much together and kind of gotten <laughs> so much chemistry, but. Um, it was kind of interesting. We were talking about like, you know, repetitiveness, not getting through. And uh, he he mentioned that he goes through a whole rodeo weekend or does events without having to use the same material. But, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Cause I, I wasn't so sure on that. Yeah. I don't know if he's, if he had like a little bit of goldfish syndrome on there or something, or maybe, I don't know if he's using too much recreational cannabis, uh, in Canada now since <laughs> it's legal or I, I don't know if it's memory erasing or what, but like, yeah, like I, I think there's a lot of the similar stuff that gets used over a weekend. Um, I don't know if it's just because of the timing on it. Like maybe it's just the, you know, maybe it's the the wind chill joke about the the marry marriage and then the the hot dog and the lifesaver. Just because we've heard it so much, maybe like we think we hear, it, but I feel like that one, those ones kind of get used almost every perf. At some yeah, shows I guess sometimes. those are. I guess be, I guess you. Those would be. I guess more like catchphrases or like maybe like I guess, kind, eh? of, kind of hinge lines. Like one thing I will admit is that I think out of any clown in Canada or maybe anywhere I've ever seen, Dennis has such a deep toolbox of acts. True. Like there, there's some acts where I've I've seen them like once every three or four years. True. And they're really good. So that's one thing I would say that he's really good at changing up. I mean, jump in the tub or do Jimmy the flamethrower, but he's got some really acts that are deep where some guys like, you know, not, not knocking anybody. They, they just use the same acts. They only got two or three. Yeah. True. eh? True. Well, and, and I got to say too, like 
when a guy gets a laugh all the time, like for Denny to get a laugh out of the mother-in-law joke or like the, you know, the, the windshield joke with the, like, I think, I think those ones for him are establishers of his kind of comedy for the night. So maybe those ones he just knows are going to work and he just, they're reliable. So that's kind of like, that's, that's his go-to's maybe like, maybe that's part of it. I'm not really sure, but um, I know for me, like, I get sick of playing the same music at the same rodeo over and over again throughout the week. And I hope that I don't get annoyed. I don't, I hope that I don't annoy people with my repetitiveness. Cause I know that I repeat music too much sometimes over a week. And I make an effort of not resetting my pages sometimes on my sh- computer to try and do different stuff over a weekend. Like there was one time in Grand Prairie at a PBR, our PBR Canada finals, the COVID year where the only times I played the same music were in the openings. Otherwise, through three days of bull riding, I didn't reset anything and I did new stuff the whole week. So it kind of like made an effort to make it different. There's only a hundred people in the crowd that weekend, but like <laughs> I, I, I just for my own sanity, I, I made it different. Well, that's cool. And like, I mean, us announcers, we, we always use like crutch words and we always use the same phrases, right? And, and I think it was me and Brett talking about this one time. And he said he was always using like, I think it was like nicely done after mm-hmm. a run. Yeah. He said he kept track and he did it like 50 times in a perf or something like, you know, nine, three nicely done. And, and, and then, I, and then I was recognizing saying things like that and yeah. and we all do it. Right. And it's like, Oh man, I just said the same thing. Like 57 times in 20 minutes. Right. Like, well, I mean, so there was I guess, one time. I guess we're all guilty of it. Oh yeah. There, and there was one time in, uh, uh, Cochrane, there's a rodeo in Cochrane. There's an announcer there, and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I think 75 times in like 30 minutes." And it took, it got to the point where I was, I was annoyed by it because I was like, "Okay, man, like, all right, there's other ways to do that, or there's other ways to say it." Like, you know, yeah. it's bad I when think, the repetitiveness takes away from the action. Yeah, I think in 2019 when I was doing some stuff for Calgary Stampede, like in the Nutrient, um, they asked us not to ever use "ladies and gentlemen" anymore. Oh, really? Um, just because some people don't identify as a lady or a gentleman. So when you're addressing the crowds now in those settings, you're, you know, you're just, you're supposed to stay neutral and no more mm. ladies and gentlemen, which all of us announcers and anyone so used public to. Speaks are so, so used to that. So that was interesting uh, that year. I remember trying to like mm. mentally tell myself not to say that it was tough. Huh. Huh. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? I think we've gone way too fucking far with all the bullshit about, yeah it's 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 tough i mean you know i mean uh it's it's kind of the world we're living in and and and, um you know i mean at the end of the day there's some people who when they told us that were like you know i'll never i'll never do that and for me at the end of the day it was just changing two words and it didn't affect my day but that makes sense i mean it's uh you know so it's it's one of those things right it's it's a fine line and and uh yeah i mean i I, I don't get uh, too hung up on it one way or the other. And, and, uh, the people that were paying me told me not to say one thing and say another. So I, uh, <laughs> I elected to do that. So I got to check. So what was the, what was the alternative now? I forget what it was. Um, I think it was just like rodeo fans or, oh yeah, that's um, true. stampede fans or all of you in attendance. Like they had, they actually had a binder, I think with some stuff in it that you could okay. kind of use as your crutch to, to welcome people in. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, nice yeah. of him to do the homework that way to give you some yeah. options. I did want to ask you one thing, Ted. And I love Denny because Denny has no filter and he has no problem talking about controversy or his fines from Armstrong or 
things like that. Um, you know, you and he both have, have roles at the Canadian finals rodeo. And obviously Danny does not due to the fact that they don't have a clown. And, and he said that he thinks it's bullshit that they don't have a rodeo clown. I was curious what your thoughts were on the CFR not having a clown or having one. What, what's your opinion? Well, there's a couple things here. So um, one thing Dennis mentioned was membership. So Dennis Halstead is a member of the Canadian Pro Rodeo Association. He's also a member of the Professional Rodeo Capitals Association, the PRCA. Um, music directors are not members. Announcers are members. Um, uh, big screen operators are not members. Uh, camera people are not members. You know, like secretaries, timers, they are members. And there's all different awards for all the different people. And I think that's cool and all. Um I think that we are paid personnel, number one. So we, you know, take or, take the job or leave it. And if we don't want to take it, the next person down the road will. But further to that, on the rodeo clown side, I don't think it's an entitlement to go. And I don't think I don't think it should be voted on for who goes to the CFR. I think it should be the best person for the job. And I think I agree with Denny in the fact that the CFR could use a hype person to engage the crowd. And I don't think that that's an easy job for an announcer to do like yourself. I think it's another character for you to have to be that you're not really probably some people, some announcers would not be comfortable with being the hype guy because you're the serious character who's uh, conducting the, you know, the, the administration of the rodeo essentially like you're who's next what the score is like there's a lot of serious things you have to do so for you as an announcer to shift gears and be the hype man um i don't think it's very easy and i think that that part is missing at the cfr i think it's also missing at the nfr um the nfr is yeah. great content but i think the nfr could use some more uh crowd engagement and uh, a little different format to the show so i agree with any in the fact that the hype and the this you know the structure of the performance could be different um and i and i do think that it's hard for an announcer to be the hype person so i've i don't know where i've seen denny work lately but for one example last year in pinoca uh ash cooper is the entertainer there and instead of ash being ash cooper the rodeo clown at the PBR on Saturday night, we had Ash um, change his um, kind of setup to where he's wearing a suit jacket and had a microphone, no makeup. And it was like Ash after dark and he was stripped down and it was just a whole different um, setup. And he engaged with the crowd and did a few different sing-alongs at the front. And we just had like, we really got the crowd hyped up. So Dennis also did that for us in Armstrong at the PBR on Sunday night this past year. And we kind of changed things up and there was no act and there was not a lot of jokes. Uh, there was a few tiny little pieces, but otherwise, Dennis was kind of more the hype guy, more the role that we have Brinson do at a lot of our shows in Canada. And yeah. and Blaine Fison was there, and Blaine and I said afterward, we we're like, Dennis did a great job. Like we kind of just, but we gave him that little bit of uh, of structure on what we we're really looking for, because a lot of places that Dennis goes, there's no structure, right? Like. There would be no producer, nobody making a script, nobody really making much of a plan. They just kind of have a loose, a loose guideline of like, this is when the events are and we're going to finish when we finish. So to have that bit of structure, 
I think was helpful. And I think Dennis, I thought he had done that job before as kind of the hype guy in previous years at the CFR. Had he not? Didn't he do it in Red Deer in like the first or second year, like 18 or 19? I thought he did I, that job. I, re- I remember him doing, yeah, some giveaways and like, yeah. I remember him like doing the Lamleys thing up in the crowd, but he was like, had his, he had his own mic and he was trying to get the person to say yeah. it into his mic. And then they yeah. had him do like the Hall of Fame inductees, but he was in his like full getup and it just didn't seem right. And they want, they did him, they him do that with the, with the inductees, really? I, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, but I, I, I feel I remember Dennis doing like, and it was like a quick like, here's the inductees of the Hall of Fame that year, and that was the first year. But that's a um, weird, that's not the right setting for him to do that job there. I don't think. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think there's a place for you know this this hype person, I guess you want to call it, mm-hmm. or, or or whatever it is. But um, yeah, and 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 people who are reporters, interviewers, announcers, sometimes it's really tough to to bring that energy like actually, I think if I remember correctly like Stella Stevens was doing that at the CFR in Edmonton like they get around the mic yeah. up in the crowd and like and I thought like you know like things like that were, were really cool right so um and and you know I mean the, the NFR the clown there doesn't even get a mic right he's literally in the barrel and and that's it yeah so you know I mean I mean no, no, nobody's nobody's got a rodeo clown essentially on the mic at any of our finals and I mean, the NFR, the farthest they go is that Cameron Hughes, the guy who comes out and the dances fan. and rips all the, <laughs> the shirts off. I think they get him through. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, it's and one that's little what he does piece. for a living. Yeah. You know, that's it's kind of the hype in the crowd as far as it goes. So yeah. I, I think uh, both sides of the border, we got some work to do in that respect. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting to hear Danny's yeah. take. Obviously, yeah, he's been there and wants to be back. And, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah. So I think that. If I was going to make a comparison, the NFR, the production is great as far as the competition being very, very fast, but the in-house atmosphere is only good when the content is really good. Um, yeah. It's similar at some other rodeos. And then my comparison, though, would be a Calgary Flames game. I think the production at the Calgary Flames, as far as like producing a hockey game, they produce a hockey game on a, in a timely manner. And they scrape the ice at the right times and they announce the players at the beginning and, you know, like they produce a hockey game, but they don't add any entertainment where the NFR is strictly content focused. And I think the strictly content focused shows are, are lacking now because everything else is so much more on the entertainment side where even our, even our PBR shows, I think I've been over this before, but like our, we had a show in London, Ontario and four years ago now, 2019, we had four rides the entire night, but everybody in that building still had a friggin' awesome time. Cause we still put on a good show. So I think yeah. that part. And, and, now, and now we're so used to getting entertained at these other events yeah. that yeah. that's the standard. Like now I go to a flames game and I'm like, well, this boring. isn't as good as Vegas or this isn't as yeah. good as it was in Florida. Exactly. Like, um, 100%. I, I mean, you talk, you talk about content based. When I was out in St. Tite, that was one of the wildest night produced rodeos. And, <laughs> and they had you know, the video mapping on the dirt and it was crazy. Yeah. And like the highest score ride was like 79. 71 point bull ride. Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. doesn't matter. But They're still going to have a great time. The content didn't, content didn't matter, but the, the show was, was spectacular. And yeah. And uh, yeah. So, you know, there's been CFR perfs that really need the help. Because the content isn't great, but then you have nights like last year when 
when you had that crop of rock riders broke yeah. breaking arena records and Colby yeah. and Zeke and or Cole and Zeke were breaking records and it's totally insane. And you're like, yeah. you wouldn't have remembered if if there was a clown or not because yeah, exactly. Oh, it was so good, right? But yeah. we don't have that consistent enough over six performances, I don't think. No, but, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But, so yeah, I think we gotta focus on the entertainment side. So I think in that sense, Denny is right. Um and I'm not knocking the CFR production either. I think the the rodeo there is uh, they're doing a tight show now. Um, awesome. I personally, and I, I would tell Keenan this directly, like, I don't know if I love the concert in the middle of the rodeo. Uh, I can see where they want to have like sell some more beer in the middle of the show, but I, I just, I'm not sure about, about that. I think there's a few small things a person can sprinkle in during the show with that hype person or, you know, a couple crowd engagement pieces with the hype guy that uh helps change the atmosphere inside the building and i don't think i don't i just don't think you need to put a whole halftime show on i think it detracts from the rodeo i think that kind of stuff should be before or after mostly after yeah yeah in the nfr i think they always do that concert kind of like during the grand entry or the opening yeah it's like two or three stuff. songs yeah it's not but very long I, I really had to hand it to red deer for like taking some chances on on the production oh yeah because 100%. You know, you think that you think of how many years like we no one's ever even seen anything like that during the middle of the CFR. I mean, true, true. One year we had stock dogs going on in the middle of the, the CFR <laughs> and things like that. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with it. You know, you like you say the the production's in good hands and it, and people don't take chances. So so 100%. I think that's a good sign. Right? Yeah, yeah, and like I yeah, still it's still a great show. They're still doing a great job. Like it's I'm, I'm I love that we still have the Canadian Finals Rodeo and it's in Alberta. Um, I think that, uh, all the ancillary things going on now, like I, I love doing the buckle presentations in the evening. I love doing the show in the daytime. Um, I think that there's way more stuff now with, you know, the horse, the horse sale and the, and the other, the other ancillary events. I think they've done an impressive job of that as well. Building that up from basically nothing the first year now. So, um, yeah, still, still a great show, but there's always, I don't know with what we do Dustin, you know how this is, we're picking it apart all the time. So <laughs> That's what yeah, we do because we're so passionate about it. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad we can have these conversations and discuss this sort of thing. So it's a lot of fun. But hey, you got uh, something else on your mind? Barney's is uh, Barney's Adventure Park in uh, in Drumheller, Alberta, will be opening soon if it's not already open. Right? Pretty soon though, isn't it? After school. Uh, yeah. yeah. Father's Day, Father's Day weekend, June seventeenth. Right on. Yeah, so uh, we'll be open up to the public, and then uh, we're opening the weekends in June, and then June 30th, she's seven days a week, full speed ahead. So right if you haven't been to Barney's, this is year three, and uh, she's going to be a gonna be a good good summer. we got a bunch of field trips booked in, and the yep. dinosaurs are roaring, and the corn mazes are growing, and the, the beers will be flowing. So right make on. sure you come check us out, barneysdrumheller.com. The best three hours you can spend in Drumheller. If you're day tripping, you're camping, Check us out, baby. Okay, what about the people that have been? What is new? Uh, well, last year we finished up uh, our mega slide, which is a 200-foot oh, slide that you ride on an inner tube. And it's oh, like wow. uh, plastic bristles. It's the stuff they like train downhill skiing into pools in the summertime on. So uh, we got two lanes, 200 feet each. You can race each other down that. Um, we're just finishing up a little train that we built. So it's uh, it's on it's on tires, but... We got a train that's going to drive around the park with four wagons that you can ride around in and do a little tour around in with that. Um, yeah, we got some new animals. We got a couple of uh, uh, alpacas. We got a trio of alpacas. Uh, 
last year we got built the saloon so you can have a beer and and uh yeah so just some uh some cool stuff what about uh emus got any uh emus around there <laughs> you know it's funny there's actually a lady in drum with the emus i'm after dennis's story i'm like i should go get an emu <laughs> maybe dennis can hook me up yeah or at least give you a name you could call him uh yeah. what's the kid from uh home alone when he gets left behind kevin McAllister. <laughs> you call, call yeah. the emu kevin yeah actually i just i seen a video a few weeks ago of some kids uh one kid from drum heller who rides bulls they were riding emus. I don't know if you've seen this video. They were oh, riding gosh. emus in uh, Tabor. They had them yeah. in the Agriplex. It's either Tabor. Where did they just get escaped from? Yeah, Tabor. This no winter. Way. Oh, wow. Uh, a bunch of emus got escaped, and they uh, loaded some up in the bucket and shoots, and there's a pretty cool video of three guys riding these emus out from this winter. <laughs> don't they have, like, <laughs> oh, no, it's ostriches. They race ostriches over somewhere in the Middle East, I think, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. These so might have been ostriches. Similar. These might have emus, but they, okay. whatever they oh, were, man. but yeah. Love to get that on the cowboy shit social somewhere. Sometimes go find it. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Dustin. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the show this week, and thanks to uh, thanks to our editor Sean Morton for uh, for making it happen every other week. And uh, Dustin, wish you best in Leduc this weekend. And all the rodeo contestants out there, hope you guys have a great week. I'll be in Grand Prairie again on Thursday, and uh, yeah, look forward to a great week. And then Rocky Mountain House next week, where. Uh, do you go to Meadow Lake still, Dustin? Is that your next week? No, I go to Brooks after that, actually. Going to Brooks. Brooks for a road this year. Oh, okay, yep. right on. And then yeah. Barney's. Then you're probably home for a few weeks. Yeah, we go Brooks, and then uh, we go to the uh, Galician Sea uh, Prairie Bronc Match, Gunner's Bronc Battle on the 15th. Yep. Out in Galician. This is year two of that Bronc Match, so looking forward to that as well. Perfect. Well, we'll have another show out on uh, the – when is it going to be here? I guess June 14th, so – Stay tuned. We won 45 then, and uh, hope to have you back, Dustin. Looking forward to being back, Ted. Thanks for having me, pal. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Cowboy Shit. Once again, I'm Ted Stoven. He is Dustin Edwards. Join us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you all again in a few weeks. I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on me now. But there was a time back in my prime. When I could really lay it down If you need some love tonight Then I might have just enough I ain't as good as I once was But I'm as good once as I ever was